0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 223 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you? I'm doing good,
1: Joe. And I have a question. Do we wait until the end of the football season to formally acknowledge me when it comes to the pigskin pick'em or do you want to just get it out of the way right now? Because like you and Todd are competing over who's less bad, but I've quietly ascended to third place. You know, I've left Marcus in the dust. Hellions has been passed by. DeWicki, see you later. I'm just wondering, does my trophy come in the mail or are you gonna just have it at the comic shop for me? You there?
0: i'm talking i'm saying things obviously you can't hear me but i can hear you
1: no the first thing uh i heard was you saying i'm talking i'm saying things so if you were saying during that just say it again
0: no we're gonna just start over there's no reason for me to try to pick out the first minute of the show (laughs) we're starting over all right Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 223 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, hello. How are you?
1: I'm good, Joe. But I was just wondering: Are we going to wait until the end of
0: the football season for you to acknowledge
1: me uh, regarding the pigskin pick-em, or can we just do it right now?
0: Because oh, there's like, only one. There's only one matchup I care about in the pigskin pickums.
1: Oh yeah, while well, you and Todd compete over who's less bad, and I've quietly ascended to third place. And I've left Marcus in the dust and passed by Hellions and see you later, DeWiki. Uh, I'm just really curious, is my trophy for the number one host going to be coming in the mail or are you going to hand it off at the comic shop? What's the plan there?
0: Well, being that I don't have the trophy for number one, I've never had that. Um, That sounds like a porch talk thing. Oh, Todd's in charge of that? Yep, he's the one who organizes the pigskin Pickums. He's the one that sends out the reminder tweet every week. Um, I, I have maybe watched a total of 10 minutes of football this entire season. Um, so like my, uh, stake in this is negative. uh, Other than the fact that we have like over 50 people involved in it and I'm beating over half of them. They should all be ashamed of themselves.
1: (laughs) See, my problem is I start off really bad. Like, when the football season starts, I have no idea who's good or who's bad because I, I don't follow the off season that well. Mm-hmm. So it takes me a couple weeks of being bad, and then I pick up the pace. And unfortunately, I don't think I can make up enough ground to to finish second or third. There's too much of a gap there. But uh, I'm happy to say that out of all the voices speaking into microphones, I'm number one.
0: Well, you know, and I'll say this, you know, if you pay attention and – Change your picks and care, then you know you'll do great in the pigskin pickups.
1: Yeah, as everybody knows, I'm I'm somebody who cares and puts in the work. That's me. When you when you hear the name Adam Van, you're like, that's a maximum effort guy right there.
0: So your pick your your picks have been the same since uh, game one, right? You haven't changed any teams since.
1: Oh no, I'm I'm saying like I I absolutely change it. I I change it so much to a detriment. Like a game will be about a minute or two before kickoff, and for whatever reason, I'll change my pick and I'll change it from the winning team to the team that lost. I t- I uh-huh. tinker too much. I tinker too much. Plus plus like halfway through the season, the Steelers got really really good. Maybe more on that later. Doing during our sports talk segment what? later. <laughs> Weekly purchases will have a little bit of a spin off spoiler. (laughs) But enough of that. I think we have a jam packed show. Boy, howdy, do we. Let's get right into the
0: first part.
2: And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling
0: History. Hey, it's this day in wrestling history, everybody. Um, On this day in wrestling history, uh, 1996, Extreme Championship Wrestling held their event House Party 1996. If there was ever a transition show in the history of this promotion, this is it. Okay? All right. Now I have the matches listed here. Okay, but there's a lot more that happened on the show than just the matches. And we'll get to them as we get to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um nine one one and Rey Mysterio uh take on the Eliminators. Uh in, I was in his say, I
1: did know that was a thing. I've never heard of them teaming up, but that's cool.
0: They only teamed up one time. It was Paul's grand idea of let's have the littlest guy, not Taz, team up <laughs> with the biggest guy, I guess nine one one. Yeah. <laughs> um so 911 um so 911 Ray maybe are around for another 2 months. Uh next up we have RVD in his debut for ECW taking on Axel Rotten. Okay. Uh Two Cold Scorpio beats Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, to win the ECW TV title. There had been like some flipping and flopping with the TV and the tag titles and would continue for the next couple months until they would settle on the Eliminators uh, toward the end of February. Um, Still babyface brother Ray Deadly takes on in his last ECW match, Jimmy Del Rey. Now, this was supposed to be the Dudleys versus the Heavenly Bodies. Dr. Tom Pritchard gets pulled to become Zip with the Body Donnas. Okay. So (laughs) this ends up just being a singles match, but this is also the ECW return of Shane Douglas after he's been gone to the World Wrestling Entertainment for the last six months.
1: Uh, Ah, that Harold Dean Douglas role.
0: Yes. Uh, Sandman beats Conan this is Conan's last ECW match uh main event is public enemy and their last ECW match against the gangsters
1: did they go to WCW or WWF that time this
0: is th- this is them going to WCW they would come back and do ECW I think in like early 98 for like a show or two before going to WWF.
1: Yeah, and we've gone into great detail over how the wool was pulled over our eyes with Public Enemy not being good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, in my heart of hearts, because I defended them so strongly as a teenager, um, (laughs) this run gets a pass as long as I don't go back and watch it, you know? Yeah,
1: it's better in your memory.
0: Um, But we have the one-two punch of Sabu taking on Stevie Richards in Stevie's coming out party. You might remember from 96... The clip in the uh, opening credits of Stevie drilling Sabu with a Stevie kick. Absolutely. Uh, That's from this match. Okay. Um, This is also when Beulah announces that she's pregnant. Raven blames everyone but himself, yells at her and says, what are you, an idiot? The pills say one, one, one at a time, you moron, and then she <laughs> reveals that it's Tommy Dreamers, and Dreamer comes out, and this is Dreamer and Beulah getting back to uh, getting together.
1: Yeah, that's classic right there.
0: Yeah, so like this is like a big reset for the company almost. Like, you know, your main players are there, your Taz's, your Sabu and stuff would be main event in the pay-per-view in a year and a half. But like looking back on this, I was there live for this one, of course. You know, this is like my run, you know, of being a yeah. man at the EZW shows. But like looking at how many like new faces, returns, and like people leaving the company are all at this show.
1: Yeah, and, and like I'm looking at like Jimmy Del Rey and like Rey Mysterio and the, a lot of the randoms are going away. Yeah. And being replaced with the the people that were built up to the main paper the first pay per view. For sure. Cool.
0: Uh, so we also have our head-to-head Nitro versus Raw in 1997. Um, so WCW. Um, we talked last week that on Nitro, as bad as everyone remembers, Starcade was. Um, <laughs> Nitro was ju- the Nitro after Starcade was just as bad. Now here we are a week later, things aren't any better. JJ um, Dillon comes out and tells us that Sting is still the champion. Okay. Mm. But he won't tell us who won the match that went off the air last week on Nitro. He also tells us that the NWO is refusing to allow them to play the footage on TV. <laughs> but they are making an injunction, and they will show the match on the debut of Thunder this week.
1: Oh, thank God. I'm glad that they got the clearance to do that on the show. And it it's convenient that it's on, on debut of Thunder, you know? Yes, Alright,
0: glad it all uh, worked out. <laughs> the continuation of the Jericho heel turn is happening.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: he comes out and he apologizes to David Penzer. Uh, he gives David Penzer a new tuxedo. Uh, he, he gives him a new chair to sit in at ringside, and uh, he knows that he's an idol of millions and he shouldn't be acting this way. And he tells us that that sort of behavior will never ever happen again. And then you'd be surprised in his loss to Diamond Dallas Page. It happens again. What? Oh,
1: man. I thought Jericho was a man of his word.
0: Yes. Uh, (laughs) But this also is the beginning of WCW's new blood, not runs cold, initiative. Um, (laughs) They hire a, what was that? I said I know about this. So they hire a ton of people because now they're going to be running two weekly shows, you know, two two two-hour shows. So it's so to not spread the roster thin, they start to bring in some new folks. Like uh, this week, we get John Nord. You know who John Nord is. The Berserker. He's the Berserker. And we also get Rick Martell. The model. Now, Rick Martell comes in and has like a nice little run... He gets like a little feud, like a little mini program at like Booker T and Chris Benoit and Fit Finley for the TV title. He's like in that mix, and, wasn't and then he, like, like he
1: brings the he- best like aesthetic shape of his career at this point. He's like, yeah, Jack yeah, you
0: know, his hair plugs are a little suspect, but other than that, he looks like he looks great. Yeah. Um, but like sometime, like around like March April, he breaks his leg during a match, and then like that's the end of his in ring career. No, uh huh. Now that's really all that's going on over on Nitro as they're building toward the debut of Thunder. Uh, over on on Raw, however, they're, you know they are building up to Royal Rumble with the Undertaker, Shawn Michaels stuff. Uh, they're building up to WrestleMania uh, with an interview with Don King, where Don King says that Mike Tyson hasn't agreed to be at WrestleMania, but he's probably going to be at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um. That's- but I would say the two most notable things that happen on this uh, uh, Monday Night Raw is maybe Goldust goes a little too far. And this is the episode where, as the artist formerly known as Goldust, he comes out in full blackface.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: Right? Not getting a... that figure. <laughs> no, no. With the giant uh, Afro wig and the whole thing. Now, my my Internet connection has been spotty here all day. So we're going to roll some dice to see how this works out here.
5: Ladies and and gentlemen, I don't want to interrupt anything here, but you see, a lot of you may have seen my commentary last week on Raw where I said there needs to be more respect for tradition of wrestling in the WWF. There needs to be more respect for some real good old-fashioned competition in the WWF. So, being as nobody else was going to do anything about it, I decided to take matters into my own hands, and it great personal expense to myself. I have flown these two gentlemen to be here tonight. I'd like to introduce Mr. Howard Brody and Mr. Dennis Coraluso. They are respectively the president and vice president of the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. Yeah. <laughs> the NWA is the oldest and at one time was the largest governing and sanctioning body for professional wrestling anywhere in the world. The NWA numbers among its past champions, men like Lou Jack Briscoe, Harley Race, a lot of great names, and the NWA stands for tradition, and that's why I've asked these men to be here, and they have generously uh, and graciously offered to anoint the winner of the next contest as the new NWA North American Heavyweight Champion, and at this point, i would like to introduce the contestants for this prestigious title first a man who is one of the great math technicians of all time he's a second generation athlete a former nwa champion barry windham you know, and ladies and gentlemen i would like to introduce both. his opponent also a second generation athlete he hails from the great state of tennessee
0: uh, he is here oh,
5: in the sport of wrestling and he is the self-proclaimed world's greatest wrestler jeff yeah. Let me see if I get this straight. An NWA title is going to be awarded to the winner of a contest of the World Wrestling.
1: Let so, see if I can get you that entrance gear. I wonder if that's for sale somewhere.
0: Double J has it at his house. It's in storage. When oh. they talked about this era of Double J recently on the podcast, Conrad, with a gleam in his eye, asked Double J if he still had that gear, and uh, Jarrett was like, "I think I got it on here somewhere." And I'm like, "Oh, I would love that gear." Uh this is something I'm sure you saw
1: on Twitter it was making its rounds somebody was showing off uh, a pamphlet that was handed out by the WWE street team at Nitro yes. and it was like all the reasons why you should watch WWE instead of uh WCW and it's hilarious cuz it's like oh you need to watch WWE because of like no politics backstage, but on the the front side where it shows all the logos of all the talents, in addition to saying like Sable 34 Double D, the thing that maybe like popped me in the wrong way was it, it like said the it had the NWA logo and it was like tradition. And I'm like, what what person under the age of fifty is gonna see the NWA logo and be like, oh, I gotta tune in for that because of tradition?
0: Right. So so many stories about this, and we'll get into the rest of Raw. And of course I have, you know, vested interest in this because this is double J. Um, the there are stories that this was Russo's attempt who was getting more power with the booking to get Cornette to shut up about there being no wrestling on the shows, right? Okay. And let Cornette bring in whoever he wanted, let him do it however he wanted to, and so forth. And, you know, obviously this ends up being a dud, you know, is dead in the water.
1: Yeah. And I I also I don't remember and I know nothing but uh, it being the North American heavyweight title. Like, what's the difference between that and just the world heavyweight title?
0: It's uh, that's funny that you should mention that. So at the time, the NWA world heavyweight champion was Dan Severin. Okay. so uh, their their ideas were a. Have Dan Severin come in and Double J beat him. B, Dan Severin just hand the title over so they could do this match on Monday Night Raw. Or some third option that doesn't involve upsetting Dan Severin.
1: <laughs> and this is before Dan Severin was, like, with them, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Dan, Dan Severin doesn't come in until the summer Okay. Um, as the NWA champion. And they tease all the stuff with him and Shamrock and so forth. But, yes.
1: Okay. Yeah, I wasn't clear about that. I remember Severn being the champ because mm-hmm. NWA went away for a while, and then I saw it in like, the aftermags. Right.
0: And if you look here at the lineup for this, Ron, we're not going to go through every match, but every match on this show, except for the main event of the New Age Outlaws versus the Headbangers, um, the running through line to this episode is en route to the Royal Rumble. Austin, DTA, don't trust anyone. After every match, he just comes out and gives everyone stunners.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, there's nobody really on there that. Need- well, Owen did he take one or something? No,
0: but uh, okay. he. So Owen ends up. Uh, so so that's the thing. Like obviously, Owen doesn't get one. Sean doesn't get one. Triple H doesn't get one. Um, but like the Rock and Ken Shamrock do. Um, I think the Bariquas get them. You know, like that sort of thing. Like if you're out there for a match, Austin's coming out and stunning you. Gotcha. Double J wins the North American Championship. He does his little strut, and Austin comes out and stuns him, you know? Good. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so again, this is just such a bummer. Like, you know, two months into his run where Jarrett comes in, he gets the sit-down interviews with JR, he gets the shoot promo, he gets to name all the top guys, He, he does an angle where um, you know, he's like, I refuse to wrestle someone as low as Chains of the Disciples of Apocalypse, so they give him a pay-per-view match with The Undertaker, which he wins by disqualification, and then, like, the week before this Raw, he wrestles on Shotgun Saturday night against a pre scotty 2 hottie Scott Taylor, mm. and I'm but, sure at that point, Double J was like, eh, I should have stayed in WCW, I think.
1: Yeah, but, like, what what happened to this whole everything Jeff Jarrett touches turns to gold?
0: Listen, a good. Uh, a great man once said, ta- uh, "Talent can only overcome so much bad creative." And know. there's double there's J
1: people have done it.
0: So this was no, no they haven't. Um, <laughs> double J. This run of double J at first was snake bit from the beginning. Whether it be the gear, whether it be uh, pissing off Austin. And that giving him a bad reputation, and then him literally coming in the week before the Montreal screw job, and then that just kind of like reshuffles everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does take Jarrett like a couple months to get like the stink of the first part, and then the second part of this off him. But like you know, he becomes an over commodity by the time the summer rolls around. Sure.
1: Whatever narrative makes you feel comfortable about it, you know?
0: All of it it makes me feel comfortable. So that's enough about the history. Let's get into the more recent history. What do you want to talk about from the last week, sir? All right.
1: If I had paper in front of me, I would uh, tear it up in front of the microphone because, like, an hour or two before we recorded uh, or started to record, uh, so, like, Vince is coming back. This is just what I have written down here. Uh, basically, and I'm just paraphrasing what I read in tweets because that's where I get all my news. But he is, as a, a majority shareholder, he is basically forcing himself back into power by appointing like, Yes Men onto the board, which is, I guess, within his power. Uh, otherwise, he won't approve any kind of renegotiation of television or any potential sale. Uh, unless he's put back in as the full CEO. So, uh, you know, it's rare that this doesn't happen on a Friday. So Tim and Marcus can get first cracks at it. But right, good. Uh, lots of questions like if this does happen. And from what I'm reading, you know, it's within his ability to do, you know, what happens to Triple H? I'm sorry, what happens to Papa H? What happens to his rehires? What happens to people that have been, you know, chomping at the bit to to come back? You know, now that Triple H is in charge, whether it be Regal or Rusev or, you know, the people that actually were hired and brought on TV, a lot of questions coming out of this Wall Street Journal article today.
0: So this is a very petty move, it feels like, for Vince. Yeah. Um, There was a lot of speculation that even though Vince had publicly stepped down, that he was still like, of course, controlling things, whether it be that he was a board member, whether he had like a majority stockholder... But to make, like, such a grandiose move like this, it definitely feels as though he is now attempting to upset whatever Triple H has been lining up. And there must have been some catalyst, like some final straw, that made Vince say, like, okay, now this has been too much. Like, I can't allow this to go on any further. What are they doing to my company, right?
1: Yeah, the the moves probably started when they hired Jeff Jarrett. <laughs>
0: No, Vince was the one who hired Jeff Jarrett wow. way back when. Yeah. As soon as as soon as Vince was gone, Jeff Jarrett got the hell out of there with all the uh, the house show uh, contracts, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this like I said, I'm. It's too soon to tell, right? What's going on? But it's definitely going to make for a very interesting beginning of the year and how this all leads to. Like, do Triple H and Stephanie like say, okay, fuck it, you could have your company back? And do what you want with it. We're gonna take our stock options and sell out and take our golden parachutes and we're good, we're done. You, you know, we tried. Yeah. Your intent is to kill this company, go for it.
1: Yeah. And it's just funny because like a lot of podcasts that we listen to all did their year in review shows and we're talking about what the biggest story of the of 2022 was. And for the most part, everybody was talking about, hey, this is the year that we finally got rid of Vince McMahon. And we're not even a week into 2023, and it's looking like that's that's not the case anymore.
0: And I hate to say it, but, you know, we, podcasters, internet people, what have you, are a very small minority. We're <laughs> not the ones that pay the tickets to go to see the live events every week, to go see TV every week. We get it comped. And they're not the ones that when all this stuff started earlier in the summer, that when Vince came out to open the shows, they were the ones like chanting his name and bowing at him. That's the majority of the WWE fan base. That's the people that Vince thinks he needs to please them, not us. We're a very small percentage, very loud and vocal, whatever percentage, but we don't spend a lot of money. And that's what Vince cares about.
1: Yeah. And not to belabor this, but let's say... Uh, i want you to fantasy book something real quick let's say tomorrow vince is back in charge okay you know, obviously it's not you know might take time or it might not happen tomorrow he's in charge and monday night he shows up on tv you know i'm back gets the thunderous ovation what are the immediate changes that vince does to the company as far as booking pushing people releasing what are one a couple things that you can see happening like, whose push is he poo-pooing? Who is he starting to push?
0: Okay. Um, Hit Row, Karrion Cross, for sure, are released, right? Okay. Um, women start to get de-emphasized a bit. Um, let me think who else. Um, L.A. Knight beats, um... No. Okay. The LA Knight um Bray Wyatt match from Royal Rumble just gets completely scrapped. Mm. Um Sheamus beats Walter for the IC title and Walter either goes back down to NXT or is fired. Yeah.
1: And like Intercontinental and United States titles don't mean anything anymore.
0: Um <laughs> no, so I think um Austin Theory having the U.S. title means like he gets more of a renewed push. Not to say that he didn't ha- like he didn't have to say like he was still being pushed, but he wasn't getting pushed the same way when Vince was there.
1: Yeah, they somehow give him back the
0: money in the bank. Yeah, somehow, right? Yeah. Um, but it definitely feels as though Vince is attempting to hold the board hostage to have them put him back into place. So it'll be interesting to see what the board does. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's like you said, a lot of yes men, a lot of sycophants. <laughs> I just hope my Brucey still has a job, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, and if you'd like to know what I want to happen to Vince McMahon, just look at an Ed
0: Cody tweet.
1: That's that, that's my
0: dream scenario. I was hoping nature would just do that for us.
1: I know, but the fucker's hanging on. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, so yeah, the Vince thing is a big one, huh? Yeah.
1: And like I said, late breaking, you know, I had to shuffle my notes. Yeah. All right, what so, do you got?
0: So I, I got the worst kept secret in all of professional wrestling. And that was the Wrestle Kingdom New Japan debut of the former Sasha Banks, uh, Mercedes Monet, <laughs> even though it's spelled Monet and has the accent symbol over it her theme song, and she says it money. So that's how I'm going to say it. (laughs) Um, Hmm. How do we tiptoe around this? Okay. Um, I'm glad that the people that like this sort of thing have this sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Who am I to decry somebody else out there liking someone or something That maybe isn't for me, or I just don't get, or, you know, maybe I have, you know, no strong opinion one way or the other on, right? Mm. Um, You know, when you look at the four horsewomen when they were in World Wrestling Entertainment, um, Sasha was, like, third for me, you know, Um, above charlotte that's a good spot right
1: (laughs) everybody's above charlotte which which face of charlotte was that because i think she's on her seventh when she came back this week
0: um yeah she's up to it she has the same number of faces as her dad has world titles (laughs) um but i don't have the same affinity for a lot of male wrestlers like i'll never get seth rollins right like, I understand why people get Seth Rollins, but Seth Rollins will never be my guy, you know? Yeah. Um, Randy Orton's another one. Like, I get why people like Randy Orton, but Randy will never be my guy, right? Yeah,
1: I don't um, get Randy Orton, but go ahead.
0: <laughs> I get I, I get him, but he's not my guy. Um, But with people like, let's say, Sasha or AJ Lee or Paige, like, the fact that there is a fan base that has such a strong affinity for these wrestlers i've never gotten it right Mm. but it is what it is i will say it sucks that she botched her finish on her debut at the tokyo dome and the promo that she cut definitely sounded like someone who's been in the world wrestling entertainment system for the last 11 years
1: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, a lot of the uh, Sasha stands on the internet are saying that Kyrie botched the finish. (laughs) Hmm. You know? Right. But um, I I do have just, it has had to make a cut because of the Vince thing, but I was going to do a deep dive into Wrestle Kingdom 17. Um, Oh. I'll just have to leave that for We Need Wrestling. Uh, I'm sure they'll do a great job. Um, I, you know, Omega versus Osprey was amazing. Uh, so go check that out. And, uh, FTR lost the, uh, IWGP tag titles and Okada won the belt back from switchblade. So I think it was a, it was a pretty darn good show. And there were matches that didn't have Americans in it as well. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, go check that out. But as far as like, I am also not a Sasha person. I have no problem with Sasha, but I've never been like, Oh man, I, I can't wait to watch another Sasha Banks match. Um, she you've said this before. She's got Star Wars money now, so she doesn't really need to to wow anybody in wrestling. I'm more shocked that it seems like AEW pivoted from having her be the surprise partner of Paige. You know, like we had, I guess that was the general consensus is that it was going to be uh Hater and Brent versus Soraya and uh Mercedes, but then they did that kind of weird three-way interview where Soraya picks uh, Tony Storm. And I was like, okay, unless they're going to do something where an upset Sheeta lays out Tony Storm and then you have Mercedes show up. Uh, I mean, I could see that, but uh, I don't know what's going on with uh, with, uh, Sasha. And a lot of people, I guess the WWE is of the mindset that she's going to get this Jap- Japanese thing out of her system and then come back to him with open arms. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, when I saw that debut and I actually learned about it first from seeing the micro brawler announced, I was just like, OK, I don't care.
0: Um, so I still think it's going to be Sasha as the mystery partner. Mm-hmm. I think this is them trying to deflect, um, you know, what was one of the worst kept secrets. And if that means that we're going to get two women's matches on the show that like maybe like that weekend that we're going to get Tony and Sheeta again, this time for not for the title. And that's how they work uh, Sasha into the tag match. Um, I definitely think they're trying to throw us off the scent, you know? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah.
1: All right. My turn. Uh, I'm going to talk about surprisingly, I, I have no AEW talk. I'm going to talk about AIW. Oh, Jet, Jet Black New Year. Uh, I watched this live on fights and uh, lots of fun matches. I think if I had to nitpick, I would say there was too much like too much bloodbath, knockdown, drag out brawls in the match because you had in the show because you had Bishop versus Bronner. You had Dillinger versus Kaplan. You had Janella versus Justice. And they're all just plain murder fests, which is fun. But by the time we got to the main event of Bishop versus Broner, it was like, oh man, I've already seen two murders and I'm about to see a third one. So I might've been a little bit too much of that, but individually they were all fun. Uh, We saw Wes Barkley steal one from Brian Myers. We saw Swoggle take a face dive, but Joe, that's not why I'm talking about this show. I want to talk about the biggest travesty in wrestling history that has ever occurred uh montreal screw job puh, never heard of it uh there this is the quite possibly the biggest screw job in the history of professional wrestling they all of sports and that's the bulking season was robbed of their tag titles by the bitcoin boys and the person calling himself the duke the man who i used to be in the corner of the owner of this hoss boot which i don't even at this point think it's a legitimate title i, I have to start questioning that it's unjust it's unfair it's uncalled for and Thorne needs to do something. He needs to do what's right. Immediately we need a rematch where the Duke is locked in a shark cage suspended above, above the ring. Uh, that's what I think needs to happen so the bulking season will have a fair shot at it and win their titles back.
0: Alright, well, I I got it. I only got a chance to watch half the show from intermission, give or take, on because uh, my kid had a piano recital on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed what I watched um, of the show. I already talked to one about production elements and stuff you know that's a big concern with everything that's happened in the last couple months um i will say this i like your idea right um in regards to bulking season the bitcoin boys but i'm gonna go you one better okay i'm guessing you can't hear me
1: i can hear you say so you're gonna go one better
0: okay uh i'm gonna go you one better duke's still in the shark cage so he can't interfere okay Yep. We got a tag match. Let's make it a six-man match. On one side, we've got the challengers, Bulking Season, Chuck Stone, Arthur MacArthur, and you. All right. I'm liking this. <laughs> taking on the Bitboy- the Bitcoin boys, and Young Ed.
1: Ooh,
0: (laughs) I like this even better. I thought
1: I I completely forgot you said that the Duke was in the shark cage. I thought it was going to be against the Duke. I like this. (laughs)
0: uh, No offense. Duke will wreck you. I I think uh, you might be able to uh, tear up young Ed like Kleenex at a snot party or whatever. You know, (laughs) I beat him for uh, a hardcore title back in the day. That's right. You just (laughs) better hope Dom has another booking that day or he'll just choke all is out. (laughs)
1: I you know what I, I I would do that for free. I would do it for free. Maybe, right.
0: just, maybe just pay for trans. <laughs> I'll I'll let Thor know and I'll tell uh Ed to get his best cat girl outfit on and we got it ready to go.
1: Excellent. You see if has a spare siglet. <laughs>
0: And again, Adam, you talk about travesties, highway robberies in the world of professional wrestling. You talk about tag titles (laughs) being stolen away from their rightful holders. And you talk about the letters A and W. (laughs) Well, you take that I out and you throw an E in. And I saw this past Wednesday one of the most disgusting displays I've ever seen. Aubrey Edwards should be ashamed of herself hang her head in shame, a Chris Jericho match that she uh, refereed on that very show, littered with interference, no restarting of matches, no throwing any people out. All of a sudden, (laughs) innocent Double J comes out and with just the pure skill and the amount of muscle that you can create on a 55-year-old's body naturally, single-handedly as far as I saw, was able to defeat both members of the acclaimed and win the AEW Tag Team titles. But no, Aubrey Edwards has to come out and she has to restart the match. Um, I I only wish that Jeff and uh, whoever his partner is had gotten an opportunity to make it up to the ramp so that they could make the announcement that they had until the count of 10 to get back into the ring. Um, (laughs) Really add a little bit more Memphis onto the sprinkle there. Um, But... Tony Khan must feel the same way that I do. How quickly in AEW history have you seen a rematch signed two days after such a travesty like this would happen when it comes to the titles? I know it was highway robbery. Tony Khan knows it was highway robbery. All the other members of Planet Jarrett know this was highway robbery. And Friday night, Adam, live on whatever station that isn't the uh, fight thing that I definitely pay for to get no commercials, AEW, they're going to right the wrong. Double J is going to win the AEW tag team titles.
1: So when that title change, I use in air quotes, happened, as excited and happy as you were, I was equally pissed off. (laughs) I was basically saying to myself, like, this is the end of AEW. This is the end of, uh, taking any title changes in this company seriously. You know, this is a company that has, you can count the amount of world champions on, on a hand and a half, you know, in the amount of time that it's, it's been around. They, they don't go giving title changes or titles to just anybody and to go and give it to, uh, Basically, a, a guy who is not over in the least bit, and I will say that i meant Jay Lethal. And,
0: okay. All right, I was going to say, wait a minute, hang on, my heart. And a, a guy
1: damn near in his 70s. 55! You, <laughs> you're going to go and take the tag belts off of quite possibly one of your most over acts in the company who, who really haven't had the belts that long. I nearly... Through a hissy fit when that title changed initially. And then when it got restarted, a, a, a sigh of relief literally went over my body. Like, to me, it was one of those it's still real to me, damn it, moments where I was just legitimately happy. I have not been this happy that like the acclaimed walk out walked out of there with the belts since like Orange Cassidy won the North American title. Like that is or whatever it's called, the intergalactic East West (laughs) Atlantic belt. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I was so relieved that Lethal and Jarrett did not win those belts. And everything I just said will be null and void if they go and once again put wrong what was once right on Friday night.
0: It's going to be a late night, because after Rampage was on at 10 o'clock, uh, I assume it's going to be the main event, um, Battle of the Belts. Um, they're going to make things right. I know Tony, Tony, I know you're a listener. <laughs> um, Double J, um, you know, and this real personal beef here, you know, you could tell that this was real, uh, because uh, Max with his rap last week, and then... Jarrett making the comments on his podcast, and then Anthony Bowens tweeting and tagging Double J, saying "You better not take no liberties in the ring, you." And then they worked a perfectly good, sound and safe professional wrestling match. You could really tell that this is a heated rivalry, and this is real now. <laughs> yeah, titles out the window.
1: <laughs> it, is this on battle? Is there a battle of the belt special this week? Yes, this Friday. Okay,
0: Rampage. No, so yeah. Rampage is ten to eleven. And then Battle the Belts is immediately following Rampage.
1: Okay, I gotta set my DVR, because you have to do that every single time there's one of those shows.
0: And both are live. No tape, baby. No spoilers. Ah, oh, see,
1: you, first of all, then, jarrett has gotta go at the beginning of Rampage, then, because there's no way he's gonna be able to stay up that late. It's way past his bad time.
0: <laughs> Listen, Jeff will just have, like, an extra coffee, you know, clean living these last five years. <laughs> He'll get an extra nap in the day and an extra nap during Rampage. He'll be fine. Don't worry about Double J.
1: I, I hope you finish your Friday unhappy. No disrespect.
0: Well, I'll just say if on this. I did spend a considerable time on Wednesday in Hagerstown preparing the floats to do the victory parade from Hagerstown to Henderson. So. Again, it was just a two-day delay on the parade. The floats are ready. They're covered. The Grand Marshal has been announced. It's me. Um, Hopefully, uh, you know, L.A. Knight gets a a prime spot on SmackDown to further rub it in Vince's face. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's it. Double J.
1: Joe, is there any truth to the rumors that you were under the Uncle Howdy mask and you took out Bray Wyatt to help out L.A. Knight?
0: No, the, uh, the the Uncle Howdy mask, though, is based on my visage, though. <laughs> um, not, the, not the merch one that the fans buy yeah. and they scare Alexa Bliss with, but the actual Uncle Howdy mask is based on my facial structure.
1: I thought it looked familiar. Yeah. I, I got a picture it with the John Cena hat on it now. Right. One. It'll probably make sense.
0: <laughs> and uh, last thing I just want to touch on... Um, I I am not, uh, you know, qualified to eulogize this person, uh, but Don West had passed away over the weekend. Um, Don West, a huge part of not only the original days, but, like, you know, during the entire Jarrett regime of TNA, Impact, whatever. Um, and Don West uh, is at the top of the list. Um, you know, and obviously now a lot of people can change their tune, but I tell you, man when he was on commentary in those early TNA days and he's getting up on the table and he's chanting for red and he's doing the end of the show, hard sell for next week's show. Those were some of the best bits at the time in TNA when there wasn't a lot of great bits in TNA and everybody online was like, fuck this guy. He stinks. Get him off TV, blah, blah, blah. All this other stuff, right? what a carny fuck when he's doing the things with like selling the brown bag specials of the DVDs. He was a, someone who was a huge person on the home shopping network at like the, the boom of like beanie babies and sports cards and that sort of thing. He was not a wrestling guy. He came in and did an impeccable job, uh, in his roles that he was given in TNA and impact. Uh, he is someone that you will never see anyone, in the business, say a bad thing about everyone loved Don West. And, you know, he's one of those guys, like I said, top three on the list of people that the Internet tells you are bad but are actually good. Last week was Jim Duggan. This week it's Don West. (laughs) Um, I've actually
1: been fortunate the last uh, week or so, ever since uh, I set up my TV in my bedroom, I think I tweeted about this, but there's a channel – that Samsung streams. That's just Impact slash TNA wrestling twenty four hours a day. Oh, very little commercials, and it's for the most part it bounces around because every once in a while you'll get like, oh, here's you know Kenny Omega in a recent you know defense of the the title, but then it's mostly old six side ring stuff. And, like, just last night I was watching a match that was, like, DDP versus Raven and Eric Watts interfered. Like, it was really weird. Like, you don't associate with TNA. But it was all uh, – had Don West on commentary. And I liked Don West. And I'm not just saying that because he just passed. Like, I've always liked him. Right. I was actually a fan of his before TNA because you mentioned – him doing the card uh, sales on home shopping. And I used to love watching that stuff. Um, I'm trying to remember if I actually ever bought anything from one of his shows. I'm not sure if I did, but a lot of the things that he would talk about on the shows, you know, he'd be like trying to pitch like a Jim mint 10 Ken Griffey, junior rookie card. And, like, I learn a lot about graded cards from that during the infancy of grading. And then I used a lot of that information to then go on eBay and buy a lot of stuff. So, like, I think Don West and those, those, like, shopping shows uh, are partially responsible for me being the card collector that I am today. So uh, I'm a big fan of, like, his work with that and obviously with TNA. So, yeah, it's a shame.
0: Yeah, and it was pop culture, too. You know, I know they did um, bits about it on Saturday Night Live. I know they did bits about it on Opie and Anthony. So, you know, Don West was all over the place, man. All right. Uh, That's all I got to talk about. Yeah, that's it for me. So, homework. Homework.
6: Homework, homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home homework, homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself.
0: So this week we are watching what Adam assigned, which was the 2000, uh, Feature-length film inspired by the events of World Championship Wrestling, Ready <laughs> to Rumble, starring David Arquette, James Kahn's kid, and Rose <laughs> McGowan. Oh, yeah. And I-,
1: I had no memory of Rose McGowan being in this, but mm. boy, howdy.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, Adam, um, yes. did you see this movie in the theaters? I did. I saw this
1: in the theaters when it first came out. I have not seen it since.
0: Okay. I've seen this movie a ton of times, right? Okay. This may have tipped me over into seeing this movie like for the seventh or eighth time.
1: Really? So you just dusted off the old VHS and popped it in then?
0: I did. Um, I had to wipe some Spectrox off of it, of course. (laughs) But um, So... It's one of those things where I watched the movie again this week and I have to ask the question because I still don't know the answer to this, Adam. Is this a good-bad movie or a bad-bad movie?
1: Hmm. I think we'll have to go through the, the, the movie before we can decide on that because I have conflicting thoughts.
0: Okay, so do I. Now, we're not going to go blow-by-blow blow with this. Um, you know, you can head over to... MassLibrary.com, where Kevin uh, wrote up a magnum opus uh, about this film. I don't think – I think Kevin's – what Kevin wrote this week was the most that had been written about Ready to Rumble collectively up to just the other day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's possible. And I just want to shout this out here, that when he was talking about David Arquette basically stealing – the stink palm from Brody in Mallrats. Yeah, he basically he says copy an anus, get an anus. Yeah, and I, I'm laughing right now. I was laughing for like 20 minutes after I read that. That was uh, that was good stuff.
0: Uh, Kevin had a good, a lot of good lines in the in his write up. He always does, but this one obviously a lot more. So he mentioned. That um, while this was like a wide theatrical release, it really wasn't playing like everywhere, everywhere. Like he had to drive like two hours or like mm-hmm. he would have had to drive an hour to go see it. Right. Yeah. Um, and this actually came out right around the time that Beyond the Mat was still getting like boutique screenings and stuff. OK. And we were told me and my group of friends were told that it was playing at a theater outside of Philly. So we drove to Philly with the intent to see Beyond the Mat, but instead, Beyond the Mat was not playing. Somebody had called and said, is the wrestling movie playing? And they just <laughs> said, yes. And it was this, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's the the bit that they steal from Mallrats. And that's the thing. This movie is like, we're going to take a little bit of American pie and we're going to take a little bit of mall rat And we're going to take a little bit of this teen like sex comedy and this road trip movie and like put all these things together and put like wrestling as the through line. Right. Yeah. And I think because there's so many disparate parts, that's part of the reason why the film doesn't work, but still has like a little bit of charm. Okay. Yeah. And, and can I say, like, the my biggest gripe about this... I mean,
1: it's, it's obviously not a movie that you would recommend to a non-wrestling fan. No. Even, like, a current wrestling fan who doesn't know who half these people are, or most of these people are, probably wouldn't appreciate it either. But this movie is... Obviously, it's a movie made for WCW by WCW. You know, it's got all their their fingerprints on it. It's got their brands, their wrestlers, all that stuff. It works over time to paint wrestling fans as, like, hicks and virgins and dummies and just the lowest of the low people.
0: Yeah. So when you say that WCW's fingerprints are all over this, I just want to mention um, Eric Bischoff, okay? And you have to take what Eric Bischoff says with several grains of salt and maybe a swig of Buffalo Bill Cody beer, right? Yeah. Because uh, Eric Bischoff and his podcast said that the budget for this movie be- was between 50 and $60 million. The actual budget of the movie was $24 million. Eric Bischoff also says that he was originally ca- cast... To play the evil heel promoter that was played by Joe Pantoliano, mm-hmm. but then because when film before filming on the movie started, he was re- he was let go of his duties as executive vice president of WCW. Okay, mm. this movie comes out in, ap- in April of two thousand. Bischoff was let go from his position in WCW on September nineteenth of two 2000- thousand of nineteen ninety nine. Okay, so. Bischoff is leading us to believe that this movie from f- initial filming to editing distribution and release was less than seven months. Sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. So there is Bischoff stuff in here because like they're both from Cody Wyoming, which is where Bischoff was living at the time. But like contracts and wrestling don't work the same way that contracts for like, real things work like (laughs) it's not like oh well you have a contract already with wcw time warner so we're just gonna take that contract here and put it into this movie no you get an entirely separate contract written up you get an entirely separate deal written up so i think that bischoff might be lying a little bit there right Uh, but uh, entirely possible but he also says that it was it was warner came to wcw in an attempt to use the WCW IP to increase ratings and thoughts and feelings and whatever about WCW because when this was initially put together, WCW was losing the war by this point. Mm-hmm. You know, we're yes. They're you know, already on
1: the new WCW logo, you yeah. know, the, the weird like big C in the middle.
0: So this was part of Warner's plan to try to, like, build brand awareness of WCW. And he claims, Bischoff does, that they had very little input as to, like, the story and the characters and everything else like that, right? Mm -hmm. Which I would assume so because not only do they paint their fan base as, like, buffoons, but they paint most of their wrestlers as buffoon and buffoons. And one of the main story parts of this movie is that wrestling is fake. Yeah. Except when it's not. (laughs) Well, that's a trope going back to like body slam, isn't it? No, no, no. So, okay. So what happens is in, and again, the classic body slam, which I've seen at least three times as many times as ready to rumble. (laughs) um, Harry Smilak played by face from a team thinks wrestling is fake, which is why he gets involved with it. But then he finds out that it's like super real.
1: I thought like, and maybe I'm getting my old wrestling movies mixed up, but I feel like there was a wrestling movie I saw back in the '80s where they were explaining to some to like a newbie that like all the matches are predetermined except for
0: title matches;
1: those are real.
0: I don't think it definitely wasn't in Body Slam. There might have been something mm-hmm. else where that happened in.
1: Somebody let me know what that was because that's the first wrestling movie I ever saw, and I feel like that might be important in the future.
0: <laughs> like even like No Holds Barred played it like it was real, you know? Yeah um huh. like at least in the context of the world that the movie exists and and again listen we're not going to go beat by beat we're not going to go by the plot of this movie um two virgins david arquette who's 28 in this movie and scott Kahn, who's 23 in this movie are teenage virgins
1: <laughs> yeah okay. they're definitely like they're they're played as if they're like just out of high school like they just you know they're, they're still living at home, but they're 19, 20. You know, they've got the kids' rooms. You know, they haven't gotten real jobs yet. But right. David Arquette's definitely way too old for that role. Right.
0: And it's a road trip movie as well, and Kevin goes much more into it. But as I'm doing this, the logistics of this road trip don't make a lick of sense, right? Yeah. Oh, and then the cursing, horny grandmother wrestling fan was the rapping granny from, like, Wedding Singer, right? Okay. So, you have, like I said, li- like all these different bits and pieces and drips and drabs from all these other genres that are happening at the same time. And like none of it really fits, okay? Yeah. Um, and can,
1: can I take exception with something that's established early in it is how the hell is the king? like, the biggest star in this company. It's just the fat, like, older dude with a a lame, like, tired gimmick of basically being Jerry Lawler. And, like, he is perceived by these fans as being, like, 1985 Hulk Hogan. You know, it's the most over guy on the planet.
0: Well, if you believe Bischoff, again, if you believe Eric Bischoff, a lot of the idea for the, not so much the in-ring persona, but everything outside of the ring... Um, it was supposed to be taking shots at Ric Flair's personal life. Okay. But again, you have to take into consideration that the it's the, literally the least reliable narrator in the world of professional wrestling, and this is someone who makes excuses for Bruce... This is coming from someone who makes excuses for Bruce Prichard, okay? Mm. um, But I just think it was... oh, and the, Oh, and this is another thing. Okay, Jimmy... So the reason why it was probably Jimmy the King... Um uh, like played like way too good for this movie by Oliver Platt, right? Um the continuity person on this film and the editor on this film should have both been fired. Like so <laughs> many times you could literally see them like switching places with Oliver Platt and Chris Canyon. And the only reason that it was Jimmy the King was because Canyon was the lead stunt guy and we need someone who kind of sort of looks like Canyon. Because he's the one who's gonna be doing all the bumps in this movie. And mm-hmm. I think Canyon was like maybe like seven inches taller and like nowhere near as thick as Oliver Platt, and it shows in this film.
1: Yeah. And you spo- you talk about continuity, and Kevin mentioned this in his write-up when uh I think Sid went to throw the king outside and through a table. It was they showed a wide shot of the table and it was completely empty, and then the table that he actually went through had like some empty uh, soda cans on it and like WCW magazines
0: right and another thing was so like we have our match with DDP and the King DDP comes out alone okay mm-hmm. then when we cut to DDP reacting to Jimmy the King's entrance Jimmy the King or in the ring already with DDP are Bam Bam Bigelow and Sid right we never see them come out but they're already in the ring with DDP okay
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So then the Jimmy the King comes out, and then when they're shit-talking while Joey Pantilano comes out, Bam Bam and Sid are still there with with DDP, Conan and Mr. Perfect, who we never see come out, are already in the ring with Jimmy the King, and then when the match starts, all those guys are just gone, and then later they do a run-in separately in the match.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, and, and like and there's and there's scenes like when they go see Sal Bandini where Jimmy the King's hair like changes from like different camera angles like he literally like his hair grows like literally like 5 inches in between shots, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And another thing I'll complain about and obviously you said that WCW had no input into this, but
0: That's what they claim.
1: Yeah, if you are like suggesting wrestlers or casting wrestlers to put them into this. Like, I feel like everybody is against, like, what's it? You're, you're not uh, in your proper role. Like, you have an active babyface in DDP that you have as the number one heel in the, in the movie. You have, like, Mr. Perfect in the babyface's corner. You've got all these random, like everybody's a heel at one point, and then you have Like, I think, is Sting the only person who is portrayed by WCW as being, like, a stand-up guy, like, as being a true babyface?
0: No! So here's who we get. Sting, Booker T, and Disco Inferno are the only three babyfaces in the whole movie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, and that's another thing. So, um, you know, we talk about, like, oh, they get movies, so everyone probably gets um you know a separate contract to be in the movie they probably got paid scale but they're in the movie right they probably get residual checks from this movie and again you know probably not big residual checks but whatever the fact that disco inferno gets a residual check from this movie michael buffer and yes they still ready to rumble from him but i really i forgot that he was in the movie and i'm sad that he gets a check from this and van hammer gets a check from this <laughs> those are the three people everyone else i'm fine collect a paycheck you know get that 20 dollar quarterly paycheck for ready to rumble streaming nowhere right yeah (laughs) um but then like so um so there's like so many fun quotable lines in this like i love uh martin landau as sal bandini he's such like a fun character in this film right he's like wanna wrestle yeah (laughs) sal bandini wanna wrestle classic you know um, but there's a bit that I completely forgot about. I never put the two things together, okay? And I talk about this movie being like, you know, uh, like taking all these disparate parts of different movies and putting into this, you know? um, The mall rats thing, the farting nuns thing, the you know, all the other things, right? But one of Jimmy, Jimmy the King's many catchphrases is that he's going to rule that ass,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which I'm... I'm reminded that that's War, word of Warhorse's many catchphrases. <laughs> so not only is Warhorse like a cheap imitation of like an ultimate warrior and now a gym or a Macho Man Randy Savage with the Slim Jim nonsense, I forgot that he lifted stuff from this movie as well.
1: Oh, it's a shame. He's been exposed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's been exposed. We're, we're at least in double digits of being exposed <laughs> to the lame
1: Yeah, and since we're bouncing all over the the place, uh, let's just talk a little bit about Nitro Girl Sasha, if we can.
0: Okay. (laughs) Holy
1: shit, absolute height of powers, Rose McGowan. Uh, Again, I did not know that this was coming. Uh, I the first time i saw her in the movie is when they uh they they just non-problematically were just lo- like looking right into the nitro girl locker room that was just wide open exposed to the public all oh, makes complete sense and i was like First of all, I was like, holy crap. And then I'm like, who is that? I recognize that. That's not a Nitro girl. That's like a person. (laughs) And I looked it up on IMDb and I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't realize she was in this. But uh, uh, kudos to her. Best casting in the movie.
0: Well, if you looked up, you would see that she not only hated doing this movie, hated her time on this movie, but like considers this like the low point of her career.
1: And that's somebody who dated Marilyn
0: Manson, too. Right. And again, listen, you can't judge. We all go through whatever. But I I knew she was in this, but... To say sticks out like a sore thumb when they first see the nitro, nitro Girls performing, and all the actual shoot Nitro Girls are all wearing the same outfit, but then Rose McGowan is dead center wearing a bright... Like, like, they're all wearing white outfits, and she's dead center wearing a completely different outfit with a completely different wig on. So they're like, make sure that we stand out that she's the lead Nitro Girl, you know? Yeah. Um, and I also... I was going to say I also
1: like how uh, – I forget which one. It was David Arquette must have said it. He's like, I have your poster up in my room, which is a line that I use on girls at indie shows all the time. So Mm. I'm
0: stealing from this too. All right. Well, you can steal from whatever you want. Uh, When you steal from multiple sources, they say it's research. Um, (laughs) Exactly. But I also like that – so Nitro doing the scary loop of – Monday night Nitro in uh, Wyoming, then the following week's Nitro in New York, then the following week's pay-per-view is in Las Vegas, yet all three buildings look like they were taped in the impact zone.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wrote down that uh, the pay-per-view has less people in it than Steel Stacks did.
0: <laughs> well, they had to make room for the giant castle set and the triple-decker cage and all that other stuff, right? Uh, yeah, makes sense. So, um, I, I think the this movie's biggest failing is that it's too long. Um, you know, before the credits roll, it clocks in at an hour 40, okay?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think you could have taken out the bit where they recruit the local yokels to be Jimmy the King's crew that accompanied him to the ring for the pay-per-view.
1: Yeah, because you had all the training montage stuff where they were just, you know, between uh, him getting stretched and then, you know, him working out a little bit with the, the kids from the convenience store following him. Like, it was completely unnecessary because they were irrelevant. They were there at the pay-per-view, but it was Arquette and Khan that were, like, involved in the match.
0: right um but i think so that is what keeps this movie from being a good bad movie to being a bad bad movie is that it's too long if it was 86 to 90 minutes perfect you're not gonna like feel like you're wasting time and i tell you that extra 16 minutes you know feels (laughs) like an eternity sometimes yeah and i think that with
1: something that was so closely associated with wcw and and whether you know in my mind when i watch this i think of it like you know how wwe has their film division you know that they have the final say on like i get that that is not what this was but to anybody watching this with all the wcw ip and their wrestlers you have to feel like okay this is a wcw production and with that mindset going into it, just the way that it's a nonstop dumping on wrestling fans, it's hard to have some type of like affection to this movie, like even for it being a campy movie. Yeah. You know, like you can't be like, oh man, it's bad, but I kinda like it. You know, you can't you can't say that because it's constantly being like, hey you, yeah, you, the person that's watching this who likes wrestling, haha, you're you're a piece of shit and that's what's just hammered through the entire movie.
0: Right, you're a dope, you're an idiot, and even when you do good, it's because like you slipped in a banana peel and you're a, you're a dope anyway. You're always made to be the butt of the joke. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I don't know how much more you want to get into it, but I, I have a question for you. So obviously coming out of this and promoting the movie, we get the infamous David Arquette world title reign. You know, yes. and that's super polarizing and it's seen as another nail in the coffin of WCW. An idea that popped into my head, and I have no idea why this wasn't on the table or who poo-pooed it, but... What do you think of it instead of that happening if you had David Arquette and Scott Kahn on WCW TV and they won the tag titles? Would that, I mean, obviously it's not the world title, so it's not nearly as, you know, uh, nefarious or as like uh, controversial, but like it's just the stupid tag titles. And I think it would have been just as impactful, you know, or have. Oliver Platt and just have him not take a bump or whatever you know if only Arquette wanted to get physical you could have figured it out but you know what about them being the tag champs or some combination of the actors being tag champs instead of the world title do you think anybody would ever refer to it again or would it just be completely forgotten unlike the the world title
0: so you know obviously you have to take in consideration that more than likely the only reason that they had it be David Arquette was because David Arquette was the wrestling fan and David Arquette took the money that he got paid by WCW to do this to like p- help pay for Brian Pillman's family's medical bills and Owen Hart's family's medical bills um, with the passing of them um, to try to convince Scott Kahn and or Oliver Platt to do anything else in regards to this film you know, you it would have been an effort in futility. But again, I, I'm, you're, I get what you're saying. In a perfect world, it would have happened, right? Yeah. Um, let's say we get them all on board, you would have had it need to be a continuation of the film where it's Oliver Platt and David Arquette as the tag team with Scott Kahn as their manager winning the tag team titles. And I think if you have that happen... I think it's remembered a little bit more fondly, but not remembered to this day. Yeah.
1: Okay. I just, uh, just popped into my head and I was like, that would actually kind of make sense. And it would be, you know, like, you'd still have your coordinates being like, oh, I got these actors out there, but like in the grand scheme of things, you and I wouldn't be shitting on it 22 years later, you know, but to answer your question, uh, I think, I don't know if I'm going to say that this is a good, bad movie, but I don't think it's like complete dog shit. It's by far not the worst movie I've seen. But I don't know. Like, let me ask you this. <laughs> I think I know your answer to this. But if you had to rank Christmas Bounty or Ready to Rumble, which is your number one and which is your number two?
0: Oh, Ready to Rumble is far and away uh, better than Christmas Bounty. I am going to say Christmas
1: Bounty is my one and Ready to Rumble is my, <laughs> is my two. Now nah, you know wrong. what? I'm thinking, you know what? Oh man, Rose McGowan. Uh, I take it back. Raider Rumbles my number one. It has the Rose McGowan bump. There you go. He had foreign objects hidden. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm writing down my rankings because it might come up in the future.
0: All right. So, uh, I have my assignment for you for next week, Adam. Right. All right. So. You know, everyone when it we're talking about WCW here, right? Talking mm-hmm. about Ready to Rumble, and everyone talks about the big time when Russo comes in and the end of '99. You know, shakes things up, the powers that be, all that sort of stuff, right? Everybody talks about the April 10th 2000 Nitro where all the titles get stripped and it's the new blood versus the Millionaires Club, right? For better or for worse, everyone remembers this stuff, right? Yep. You know what people don't remember? That three and a half month period from January 2000 to March of 2000, where Russo's fired and Bischoff's nowhere to be found. Okay, so that's what we're going to be watching. All
1: right, we're gonna be all watching three months.
0: That ago. era, that three and a half month stretch of WCW.
1: All right, hopefully in bite-sized portions.
0: Well, okay. Um, so. You know, we already watched that one Nitro that happened from uh, uh, wilkes Bear, right? So we're not going to be watching that again. Uh, We already watched that episode of Thunder where Stacey Keebler debuted Los Fabulosos, right? Oh, we sure did. (laughs) Um, But we're going to watch every Nitro, every Thunder, every pay-per-view, and maybe assorted episodes of Worldwide and Saturday Night in between. (sighs) Now... To know right. where we're going, we need to know where things end, okay? Uh-huh. So we are going to be watching this week uh, the January 10th, 2000 episode of Nitro. Now, this is the last episode of Nitro that Russo books during his regi- his regime after dozens of people are hurt. Jeff Jarrett gets hurt on this show and they have to completely rebook the pay-per-view that's happening this upcoming weekend. Right? Yeah. So this is the nitro where in three consecutive matches, Jeff Jarrett wrestles George, the animal steel Tito Santana and Jimmy (laughs) snooker. All right. (laughs)
1: I feel like this is all just a vehicle to get more Jared onto this programming somehow.
0: Okay, it's not, but what (laughs) it is, is, it's, for the most part, light and fun things, you know? Like, the pay-per-views run about two and a half, but there's not going to be a ton of them. Episodes of Nitro and Thunder edited down, you know, not going to be huge chunks of time, right?
3: Mm.
0: And when we ended up watching that Nitro that I mentioned from Wilkes-Barre and the, the Thunder that we watch, I'm like, I wasn't watching WCW during this time. Like, I was aware of it, but I definitely wasn't watching it. I was, like, completely WWF and w, or ECW-pilled. Um, but I had fun watching those shows, because it was, like, new wrestling to me, because it's stuff that I either had little memory of or never saw before. And I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm just like, there's stuff that i remember that happens during this period and i'm just kind of intrigued to see when and where it all happens you know yeah
1: i i definitely feel like i lived this period i was watching wcw but i was maybe checked out to the point where it was on in the background and you know i just didn't really in- retain it so um yeah all right i'm here for it
0: okay Uh, So, uh, it is on the network. I don't know what season it is, but January 10th, 2000. um, If you want to watch the real version with, like, the original airing and the correct music and stuff, you know, just drop me a line. I'm sure I could point in the right direction, you know?
1: Yeah, interesting. Through completely reasonable legal means, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been converting all my old VHS tapes uh, to digital files these last couple days. All right, nice. All right, so adam has his big announcement so what sort of big announcement needs this sort of triumph to it
6: the gender neutral monarch of at odds wrestling
1: That's right, Joe. It is time to unveil the final brackets and to start the voting for the fourth annual-ish gender-neutral monarch of At Odds Wrestling Tournament. And over the last couple weeks, obviously, uh, our friends in podcasting, they nominated their champions, and uh, I snuck some people in. I even let you have a a plucky underdog thrown into the tournament. Uh, But it's time to announce... Who is wrestling who? Are you ready, Joe?
0: I am ready to hear these matchups.
1: All right. So obviously this is a 16-person tournament. On the left side of the tournament, we have one, two, three, four matches. And on the right side, we have another four matches. So we're going to start in the top left and work our way down. We're going to start with what many people are calling the number one seed in this tournament. I feel like this is his tournament to lose at this point, And that is the Boar. Oh, And the boar.
0: I thought it was this guy.
1: Oh. <laughs> You're a little, a little quick on the, the button. Uh, please hit uh, stop. <laughs> the boar. Let me just say that again without the sullying of uh, that terrible music. Will be facing a person who called their shot. They tweeted that they wanted to be in this tournament. And I said last week's show you want in, you let me know. And that is the owner of the sepia button, Big Sue.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Listen, Big Sue riding high with that victory over uh, Arthur MacArthur. Um, Hmm. Boar's going to have his work cut out for him. Um, I did see someone on social media say uh, that they may have several burners uh, that they're going to put behind the Boar. Let's just hope Sue has as many burners as this person does.
1: (laughs) I think that we should call This seems to be like a fair down the middle, no burner, uh, tournaments. But, you know, I've been accused of being, you know, conspiring and not being, you know, impartial. I think that everybody should just be fair with this, but we'll see. Okay. So next up we have the selection from final wrestling place, Mandy Rose. And Mandy Rose will be facing
0: Rex Lawless. Oh! Two, uh, very top-heavy competitors. Very much work on their pictorial regions. Hmm. Do the boys at Final Wrestling Place cash in their chips early or late, is the question. Uh, I know who I want to see move on in this round, but, uh... Again, depends on if it's going to be, you know, as the events go on longer, less and less clothes are going to be worn by the competitors.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, see, the boar against either one of those two, if the boar moves on, uh, like, that's that's a baby oil's dream right there. (laughs) Mm, Yes. (laughs) But that's if the boar makes a pass Big Sue. We don't know. So, all right, next up. The selection of We Need Wrestling, Max the Impaler. Now, I I searched high and low to find Max a physical equal on this bracket, and it was hard, but I think I found one. Max the Impaler will be facing CPA.
0: Oh! (laughs) That is a match. Um, No, you know... Of what you've announced so far, that is the match that has the uh, highest likelihood of being booked in real life. <laughs>
1: You're telling me Mandy Rose and Rex Lawless doesn't have a chance?
0: <laughs> no, not not at all. Yeah. Um, ooh, ooh, this is truly a toss-up as far as I'm concerned. Uh, could really go either way. Uh, Max does have the, the uh, intimidation factor on their side, but CPA has uh, an unpredictability about him, if you will. An untangible.
1: <laughs> I wonder how many broken beer bottles it would take to get through the many, many layers of shirts CPA is wearing. <laughs> 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 All right, next up, uh, we have, let me just see, Wrestling Cheers' selection of Isaiah Broner. The Problem. And, uh, I, you know, one can say Isaiah has a, a particular style of wrestling, a heavy hitter or bruiser. So this is going to be a little bit of a styles clash. Broner will be facing Cheeseburger. Ooh.
0: Um, again, uh, likelihood of that match actually taking place, uh, you know, very high in the actual corporeal r- world that we live in. Um, again, I know we're familiar with Bron uh Isaiah Bronner from AIW, but I'm very familiar with cheeseburger. Uh experience, speed, technique, style. That's uh, quite the matchup. Now, yeah,
1: see, I I'm a good booker here. I, you know, give me the pencil. All right. Let's next not go crazy. Up, <laughs> next up we have the selection from Hit My Music, and that is Jaden Newman. And Jaden. Will be facing Ziggy
0: Heim. Oh, that's a very you know stylistically matched up uh, contest. I like that quite a bit. Um, you know, obviously Ziggy does work a little bit more tag team, less one on one in a mixed setting. So it'll be definitely uh, interesting to see how this one plays out.
1: All right. So the winner of that matchup will be facing the winner of this matchup and that is Indie Wrestling Guide's selection of Derek Dillinger and the uh, the surprise entrant from last week, Tay Mello, the face of women's wrestling. The, the face? The face. So, Dillinger Tay.
0: You got two... So I'm looking at the ba- brackets. I want to see Ziggy and Derek one-on-one in the next round, okay? Mm-hmm. Um... You're putting Tay Mello, current AEW superstar, in there against Derek. If you were putting Tay Conti, jobber-clobber from <laughs> AEW Dark and Dark Elevation, I might be singing a different tune, Jack. But uh, I don't know. This one uh, might be Derek's to lose, you know? Yep. All right. So next up, the selection from Pod
1: Van Dam, Alabama Doink. We'll be facing
0: Maserati West Barkley. Oh, uh, Listen, there's two guys that have a lot in common. The only thing they don't have in common is one's alive and one's dead. Uh, <laughs> Maserati, Alabama Doink, two men who are all about making money in this business. All about that wins. All about being married to the business. Uh, Alabama Doink, he's got the crowd support, but I tell you, um, Barkley Nation, I don't know. It depends on where this is held. If this is held anywhere in the greater Ohio area, or if this is held in the parking lot of a, uh, a Golden Corral in Tennessee or something, you know? Yeah. It's definitely going to rely a lot on fan support this one.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned fan support because the winner of Alabama Doink versus West Barkley will be facing the winner of this next matchup. And, Joe, go ahead and play the music. I've been waiting. That is Double J Jeff Jarrett, J E Double F J A Double R Double T Jeff Jarrett. And Double J will be facing the final surprise entrance into the Jenner Monarch Corp. Swoggle.
0: Oh, oh. Jared's gonna have to break a ukulele over his head. Oh my god! Poor Dylan. Six WrestleManias. <laughs> Leprechaun Origins. Muppets Most Wanted. Throw it all out the window. And I'm doing the Jared taunt on the the entrance way right now. Dylan, go back home. Be a dad with Landon. You ain't getting past old slap nuts.
1: Yeah, I mean again, I hope there's a good clean poll for this and uh I, I certainly hope that nobody uh shows this that selection like Jarrett Swaggle in any kind of doll groups, you know. That's that's my number one concern is that sure, that somehow that somehow doesn't get there, but uh I sent you the final brackets. Friend of the show Derek did the graphics as he did last year. Uh And uh, he figured you would pop for the font at the top of the graphic, but uh, hopefully you'll get it soon. There it is. Ah, nice. But uh, again, just to recap, on the left side, The Boar versus Big Sue. Mandy Rose versus Rex Lawless. Max the Impaler versus CPA. Isaiah Browner versus Cheeseburger. Jada Newman versus Ziggy Heim, Derek Dillinger versus Tay Mello, Alabama Doink versus Wes Barkley, and Jeff Jarrett versus Swaggle. So, so- tomorrow, oh, I'm sorry, I was just going to say tomorrow, uh, as we record this, it is still Thursday, January 5th, Friday, January 6th at 5 p.m. Ugh. I will put these polls up uh, and they will run for six days. So voting will end next Thursday at 5 p.m.
0: Okay. Adam, I got two things to say. All right. One, I want to thank you for laying out the brackets in a way that we're very clearly going to get a Boar versus Double J finals. (laughs) I was afraid that you were going to try to burn that match off uh, in the opening rounds to make the Boar and uh, all of his people vote against himself that early.
1: (laughs) I would and, again I don't know where this narrative comes that I screw the boar. I am nothing but supportive of the boar.
0: Right. And you talk about doll groups and you talk about all these other things. To paraphrase another great wrestler, Adam, you wanna play twenty one? I got twenty two. You wanna play blackjack? I got a couple of those too. <laughs> you wanna go and burn this off in the opening round? I say, you do you, partner. All right. Again,
1: I, I don't know why you think I have these agendas or that mm-hmm. I'm like trying to pit like certain fans against other fans. I'm just making matchups that people want to see. That's all. And let the votes decide.
0: I, I I can say this now that the brackets are done. This is recorded. This can't be changed. Yeah. Um, granted, they're not a wrestler, but they're definitely in the wrestling business. Uh, The one person I was worried that you were going to throw that definitely wouldn't need all of your backstage machinations to take Double J out would have if you put uh, Renee Paquette in there against Double J. (laughs) Uh, Renee's someone who, when it comes to online polls or online anything, she don't lose, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And unlike Double J, Renee is actually a talented person who deserves the
0: accolades. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You, listen... You get your accolades one way, Double G will get his accolades another. Giant bags of cash.
1: Uh, see, this this Jarrett Love, this is the same type of thing, like, oh yeah, he technically leaves all these companies, but he, he leaves with money, and he doesn't right. leave them he doesn't leave them any better than when he found them, but he gets paid. It's the same thing as like, oh, Yeah, who cares that Trump doesn't pay his taxes? He's a savvy businessman. Oh, man, I'd like to have a beer with that guy. That's the same energy. That's what it sounds like to me. So
0: so first of all, I'd never (laughs) say that about Double J. He's five years clean. I would like to have, like, maybe a nice soda with him, go to the Peking (laughs) chef when he orders all the appetizers up front. You know what I mean? Uh Uh, Secondly, savvy businessman is one thing there's a difference between being a savvy businessman in the quote-unquote real world and being a savvy businessman in wrestling. How many people do you know in the world of wrestling? Like, look at Kevin's thing, uh, Kevin's write-up on Ready to Rumble, right? The logistics of what was going on with Jimmy the King that he's the world champion and he's licensing deals and all these other things, but he's dirt poor. He's piss out of luck. He's got no money, right? Yeah. But then that's the fake... Uh, um, like story version of what a professional wrestler is how many times Hulk Hogan Ric Flair some of the biggest names in the world of professional wrestling right how many fortunes have has Hulk Hogan gone through how many fortunes has Ric Flair gone through right mm. Jeff Jarrett probably has his original payday from Evansville Indiana in 1988 in his back pocket you know what I mean there's a difference in making money in the world of professional wrestling, and there's a difference in keeping money in professional wrestling. A lot of people can do one and maybe the other. There's a select few that do both. You're talking Jarrett, you're talking Kevin Nash, and so far, you still got a lot of years left under, you know, ahead of him. You got Danhausen, right? Mm. That's a that's an elite crew, you know? <laughs>
1: And you know what? Mick Foley never spent a dime, too. So, And Mick Foley loves Christmas, and Swaggle was a Christmas elf, so a vote against Jeff Jarrett is a vote for Mick Foley.
0: I think Mick Foley would tell you to vote for Double J. I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: uh, all right. So anyways, we'll let the listeners decide. Starting tomorrow, 5 p.m., I'll tweet out the brackets. Uh, I'm just giving it a little bit of extra time, because I know uh, I want people to be... Hearing the uh, matchups for the first time on the podcast, as opposed to a tweet. So, right, hopefully people who listen to it, you know, late tonight, early tomorrow, will get first cracks at it.
0: Yeah, and, and we're going up late. We had a late start. We had some. I had some internet issues. So, you know, this is probably going to go up about one thirty. So, yeah. All right, cool. Voicemail time. All right, we got a ton. Let's go.
7: Uh, hey, uh, Joe and Adam, this is. Uh all Ronnie two legs um formerly of uh pod bandam mm. uh, i'm just calling uh just calling in uh, i just want to say thanks to everybody um for listening and uh giving the show so much attention um over all the years that we did it appreciate that um that was a that was a good time um Shit! You can still hear me. I'm on another show. Uh, it's called The Card is Going to Change. Absolute Intense Wrestling. You can find me there. I'm still doing some, doing some bullshit on the old podcast uh, network per se. I heard. Speaking of podcast network, I heard Ed's going to have his own show on this network, the soon-to-be named network. Um, you know, so maybe we'll fuck around. Maybe I'll go on there. Maybe me and Ed only, and I'll mix it up. You never, never fucking know what what'll happen. Um, but oh yeah, I wanted to let um. I wanted to let Adam know, uh, that if he wanted to get a mark picture with Nick Swisher, he should just go to whatever, uh, shitbag insurance company that he's probably fucking working for wow. because he's fucking terrible and, uh, probably selling insurance right now because he's an absolute washed fucking bum. Um, but, uh, enough about Nick Swisher, that fucking bum. Um, yeah, you just, you know, go down to any, uh, go down to any insurance agency. You'd probably get your mark picture with him there. Um, but yeah, just like I said, wanted to call in, Thanks to everybody uh, for for listening and showing the show so much support. So, uh, yeah, um, that's all I really have to say. So, thanks everybody. Appreciate you. See you. Later. All right.
1: First of all, I want—I obviously have to address this. Uh, love you, Ronald Two Legs. Uh, love you on uh, the card is going to change, and look forward to hearing you on the soon-to-be name network with that. Um, but as far as Nick Swisher goes, I made no. Uh, uh, no claims that he did not rob the Cleveland sports <laughs> franchise of lots and lots and lots of money. If anything, he's kind of like Major League Baseball's Jeff Jarrett. You know, he got he got his bag, <laughs> is what happened there. And he is currently a special advisor to the Yankees, a successful podcaster, and a brand ambassador for multiple companies. So uh, he's not selling insurance. But if he did, I'd buy insurance from him.
0: Un unrelated I mean the insurance professionals taking a shot there from uh, old Ronald two legs <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: like what kind of a low low down scumbag sells or even works in the insurance company man. yeah
0: I know sales <laughs> I could see being a low level thing claims you know uh, that's uh, dregs of society as well but uh, sales uh, so, sales management is a much more prestigious thing though it's the service people that really uh, keep those things moving but anyway uh. Pat called in again.
7: Oh. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, it's P- Pat again. Meet Ronald again, I should say. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about, I forgot to mention, I was thinking about that time. Remember that time we did a, we did a podcast in, like, Pennsylvania somewhere? I think it was in the Lehigh Valley. Uh, we got all hammered drunk while I was drunk. <laughs> and uh, we did that podcast at the uh, the hotel that time. We should do that again. Um, maybe we meet meeting like, halfway or something. As much as I love coming to the Lehigh Valley, maybe uh, – if we meet in the middle like Pennsylvania somewhere like Pittsburgh, PA, that's like halfway between us and you, right? Let's go to that's Pittsburgh. To you, <laughs> we'll go out, hang out, and then uh we'll go rep- rec- record a podcast. Uh maybe it'll go better than the last time, I don't know. At least more listenable, I don't know. But
0: uh yeah, we got to get together again. I miss you guys. So, all right. That was it. Bye. Well, one of these days we're going to come back out for an AIW show Um, when they book Double J after he wins the (laughs) AEW tag titles. and That was my other pitch was going to be, um, you know, obviously Artie uh, and Chuck would have you as their third. Bitcoin Boys would have you as their third. (laughs) But uh, members only, uh, Double J is an honorary member of members only. So you get like a triangle triple threat feud there, you know?
1: Ooh, I would. You know what? As much as I hate to say it, I would take a guitar shot
0: just for the story. <laughs> yeah, you got to supply your own guitar. Trust me on that one. Uh, that's fine. All right, so Pat called in one more time.
7: Oh yeah, baby, call number three. I <laughs> uh, just got a just got my mail, and I'm back in the good graces, baby. That's right. I got my New Year's card. <laughs> thank you, Sposto family. Appreciate it. Tell them, Ellie. Thank you. Thank you. Good Aww. job, buddy. Anything else you want to say to the to the show, to the boys, and anybody else out there listening?
8: Um, Chicken Bite.
7: Chicken butt. That's what you want to say. What's your other one, favorite one? What else do you like to say? What did you do in the car on the way over here? Uh, what did it smell like? Farts. <laughs> <laughs> Farts. <laughs> that's a good one. All right. Tell them thank
8: you guys happy New Year. Tell them smell you later, Ellie.
7: Smell you
1: later, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. That's awesome. I I also got my Christmas card this week from you, Joe. So thank you. Yes, New Year's
0: card. Yeah, oh, like it's so we Year's. got them out a little bit late. You know, kind of yeah. slapdash together. Last year was even more slapdash together. We're like, I sent it to like Ed's old old address. Yeah and i sent it i to look up to the to to pat and jonas's workplaces <laughs> oh, and nice. pat got the one i sent to his workplace and i don't think Joan ever got the one that i sent to his workplace so this yeah. year i was just like i'm just asking everyone for their actual addresses fuck it i don't care
1: yeah, no need to be coy. Um but you mentioned uh, suggesting that Double J join members only. Uh, you know,
0: He's already an honorary member join
1: Exactly. So you know, it's it's been said in the past, and you make no secrets, you may have the ear of John Thorne, you know, yes. when it comes to certain things with AIW. Um might I make a suggestion for AIW like a future show? Okay, um, I'm listening. I- um, and this was an idea that was poo pooed by uh, a certain other indie promotion in our area. I guess they'd rather just book Veda Scott, but uh, uh, suggest that if AIW really wants to have a sellout, uh, Sky Blue. So uh, that just write those two words down, and uh, I might even make the trip out to Ohio again. Well,
0: Sky Blue is and has been a regular at Black Label Pro, which is a little like, you know, more toward the Chicagoland area, right? Mm hmm so uh if and when i see black label and aiw have dates that are like the same weekend uh and i see that sky blue is mm-hmm. booked i'll absolutely put the uh bug in john Thorne's ear there between me and you john thorn ain't booking sky blue <laughs> solo if she's in the area for the weekend it might be an easier sell
1: all right that that's fine I, again if she needs a driver let me know mm-hmm. you don't have to send a student i'll take care of it but will need um...
0: a restraining order <laughs> Uh, and hey, thanks thanks to Pat for listening. Thanks to Pat for calling in. Um, so Pat has no real social media, but um, if you're a card break person,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, you know, Pat has a Facebook thing for it. You know, he does those uh, kind of you know somewhat regularly and kind of somewhat successfully. Um, I'll just say if you know, you know, right.
1: Yeah, I've actually gotten several uh, messages during this podcast about a rip that they're doing right now. Uh, Franklin Football Card Group.
0: Yeah, yeah. So oh. I didn't know. I didn't know the name of it. I know, like, I'm in there, but I'm not a card break guy. But you know, anything that I could do to support my friends, you know, absolutely. And I,
1: I like honestly, I pop in just to watch some of the rips. Sometimes it's a good time.
0: For sure. Next call.
4: Hey Joe and Adam, it's Kevin Ford. I want to give some praise to Adam because I absolutely adore this week's homework pick. Ready to Rumble is a guilty pleasure of mine, although I feel absolutely no guilt about it. I know it's bad. I still love it anyways. I watched it a ton as a kid and had a a lot of fun with it. I got to bond with friends later over it. It's something we still quote pretty incessantly. Um... But one memory I had that kind of triggered a question was that I remember getting it as part of this, like, uh, you know, you go to Blockbuster and they have old rentals that they would have, like they call it, like I think recently viewed that you could buy the movie at a, at a deep discount. And I'm pretty sure that's how I got ready to rumble. And then I remember when my Blockbuster went out of business, I was able to go back and scoop up some of the wrestling tapes that were left behind. I definitely wasn't the first one there, but I was able to get like, a couple odds and ends from, like, WCW. Like, I know for sure I got uh, Star K-93. Uh, I got Royal Rumble 93. And I want to say I got Super Brawl 96. It's whatever pay-per-view has Diamond Dallas Cage winning the uh, the ring, whatever they call it, the diamond ring. That's, I don't remember that's AEW exactly or WCW, but either way, that one. So I am curious if either of you have stories about your blockbusters, Hollywood videos, local video stores, whatever, going out of business and cleaning house on tapes at that time Uh, i think that's something a lot of us wrestling fans did or just people who love movies uh like i know joe does did back in the day so curious to see if you have any stories like that thanks a lot and
5: you crushed my butterfinger baby
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i thank you for the call kevin and to be reminded i saw ready the rumble when i was a kid says kevin i'm old everybody (laughs) a kid yeah, I mean I was pr- un-
1: um 17? No, when did it come out? 2000.
0: 2000.
1: Oh, that was 20. All right, that's yeah. easy math. Um I don't remember buying any d- like DVDs or whatever from stores going out of business, but I remember there being and I don't know what the website was, but this is back when your average wrestling DVD was like maybe 30 bucks if you were lucky. Yeah. Um I found some website that had a bunch of WWE DVDs on clearance. And they had to be like five or six bucks a piece, brand new. So I bought—I don't want to say everyone, but like I bought pretty much everything from the Alliance era. You know, like uh, from like every—you know—because they didn't have every single DVD ever made, but they had big chunks of uh, like the WCW invasion, the the uh, you know the the famous what was it called? The pay-per-view that had Vince and Shane's faces on it. Invasion. Invasion. Like, I had that one. Like, I had pretty much every pay-per-view for, like, a two-year span in that uh, that era. And a lot of them ended up, like, going up in value pretty high because, uh, like, they just didn't reprint them and there wasn't a lot of stuff on those DVDs that we were making into the compilation DVDs down the road. So I ended up selling them all and I'm glad I did because then once the network came out the the bottom dropped on all the those things when jokes on them cuz like physical media is the way to go but yeah, that's the only way I got like a lot of cheap DVDs.
0: I I never got the VHSs um when my video stores were going out of business um you know, just cuz whatever the selection was was pretty picked over by the staff by the time I got there. I will say Um, Our neck of the woods, when the Suncoast video at the Steamtown Mall went out of business, um, I did clear out a bunch of their uh, trauma movies and horror movies and stuff like that. Like, they were selling stuff for, like, 99 cents just to get it out of there. You know, like, stuff that was on their shelves when it got released and never moved. Um, But that was my only uh, going-out-of-business DVD sale that I, I was able to take part in. No wrestling stuff, sadly.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've ever been able to successfully take advantage of a store liquidating. Like, I'm always there way too early when it's like, oh, everything's 10% off, or when they're selling the fixtures and everything's gone. Yeah. Or anything in between.
0: I know when the Kmart by me went out of business, they didn't officially go out of business. um, But I went there because we would go there looking for Pokemon cards all the time, uh, me and my kid. And I went to where the Pokemon cards were, and they were gone. And I go, hey, yo, where'd you guys move the Pokemon cards to? And they're like, oh, we mailed, the, we sent them all back to the manufacturer, right?
3: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, and that, this was like six months before they even announced that the Kmart was closing. And, like, I know that's the telltale sign. When they start getting rid of the collectible cards, like not just Pokemon, but baseball cards or anything else like that, and sending them off to the manufacturer or whatever it is, that's when you know a store is going out of business.
1: Yeah, when they're basically getting credit for the stuff that they can get refunds on, you know?
0: Yep. All
1: right. Cool.
0: Thanks Thanks again, Kevin. Next call.
6: Hey, Joe and Adam. What's happening? It's your buddy, Kenny. Hope uh, all is well. Hope you were both enjoying a uh, happy new year. Man, where where to even start? Like, the old saying, like, we take a bad week to stop sniffing glue. (laughs) Like, Todd Van Dam picked a bad week to quit doing a podcast with like Phil Baroni and like Mandy Rose's deep hole and like, I don't know, all kind of wrestling kingdom in Japan. And I'm sure you guys extensively covered with Adam's thorough rundown of not only, uh, wrestle kingdom and New Year's Dash with all that, uh, hype shit that happened there. Uh, pretty incredible, pretty incredible. So anyway. That's, uh, that's my deal. Uh, I think I might have to just start, uh, calling into this voicemail, like, uh, how Joe used to call into Pod Van Dan, because I had all kinds of good shit, pal, and I fucking just forgot it, so I'm just going to start calling in and leaving them, and that's the way it goes. Mm. Get a wreck, bots.
1: Uh, Kenny reminded me, I just went to the Twitter account that I don't follow, but I have saved in my saves, if you know what I'm saying, and, uh, just... Making sure I'm up to date on Mandy content, and there's new stuff. All right.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Gotcha. All right. Um. So, uh, yeah. Are you aware of the Phil Baroni thing? Ah, uh, he did a murder,
1: allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, that's all. I didn't do a deep dive because I, part of me was like, well, if I'm not going to learn about it on Pod Van Dam, I don't need to know about it. You know.
0: Um, go, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the episode where Dom was on and talks about his story with Phil Baroni. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, you'll realize that what happened just this week in Mexico with Phil Baroni uh, again, don't want to make too light of it, but, uh, you know, we should have all seen this comment, you know? Yeah. Um, thanks for the call, but Kenny does call right back. Oh. We're on, like, three different people, uh, that call multiple times, and I'm all for (laughs) it.
6: Hey guys, Teddy, sorry, I uh, forgot. And, and to top it all off, your boy Double J hustled himself into a belt like three weeks into working for a new company. Oh, yeah, brother, strap me up. It'll be great heat. Brother can't, D- Double J can't stop winning. What a week. Crazy. Take
1: care. Well, he didn't hustle himself into a belt. He got to hold it briefly, if that counts. I mean, twice. <laughs> I mean, I've legitimately held the AIW tag belt just as many times as Jared has held that belt, so I guess uh-huh. uh,
0: it's just as valid. Mm, see how Friday night looks.
1: Yeah, well, again, you can make a decision that'll ruin a company and one that'll save a company, and Jared ain't saving that. But
0: uh, You know, just before, you're like, oh, wouldn't it have been great if Scott Kahn and Oliver Platt <laughs> <laughs> no, were I'm the st- WCW Tag I'm Team st- Champions? St- Non wrestlers with nothing to do with the business, but God forbid, someone who is given 37 years of his life, blood, sweat, and tears to professional wrestling to get a token AEW tag title shot. He's not beaten Orange Cassidy. He's not beaten Eddie Kingston. He's not beaten Samoan Joe, right? He's beaten the tag team. All right. I said that a tag title
1: reign would have been better than Arquette winning the world title. That's all I said.
0: And a tag title reign would be a road for Jarrett to beat MJF for the world title. I agree. Oh.
1: <laughs> oh, make it stop. Next call.
9: Hey, Joe. Hey, Adam. It's the other JP here. So, uh, I hope you all had a good, New uh, years. And um, so far, the first moves of the new year have been going well for you, or at least not altogether terrible. All right. So um, I'm a little bit of a uh, relatively younger guy and came to wrestling a little bit later than most people do. Uh, sure. Never, I didn't grow up with it. I kind of uh, came into it a little bit later. Um, that's your uh, typical path. Um, but I've been going back and watching um, wrestlers that, you know, either – aren't active anymore, um, you know, had a, only a little bit of a short run, whatnot. Anyways, uh, my uh, fall semesters, or not fall, spring semester's coming up. So the question I propose to you is if there were, um, say three or however many uh, wrestlers you wanted you, or uh, figures in wrestling that you'd put on like a syllabus of uh, people to look out for, watch, study, um, for any purpose, um, who would they be? Um, obviously, with it being a syllabus, you can do what you want. Have you know your heavy hitters in there? Your all out and out uh, classics, or you can have some more deep cuts that provide a interesting uh, look as to the history of professional
1: wrestling. Alrighty, you all have a good day. Hmm, I'm gonna let you go first on this, Joe.
0: Okay. Uh, thank you again for the call uh, other j b uh your connection sounded great this week. makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. If I'm giving you a syllabus of stuff to watch, okay I'm uh Johnny wrestling teacher one oh one okay yeah and are you thinking like
1: the work of a wrestler or a specific match like but is his questions? you know like oh like are we saying i'm assigning just going to use an example hulk hogan or are you saying i'm assigning hogan andre wrestlemania 3 like what what do you think the spirit of the question is
0: so what I, okay so what i think the spirit of the question is um is a specific era of a wrestler okay or like a storyline or an angle or something right like to say watch hulk hogan like okay that's like the widest net that you possibly can but if sure. you say watch hogan andre wrestlemania 3 well, you got, like, two months of TV building that up that you should watch, you know, to kind of, like, really, you know, give the season to the stake that that match is, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, if you're going to ask me, and I'm going to assign you three things, okay? Uh, I'm going to assign you the uh, 1989 Terry Funk-Rick Flair NWA rivalry, Okay. Uh starts in about April of eighty-nine and goes to November of eighty-nine. Uh it's three pay-per-view matches, a couple TV angles, uh, and tons and tons of promos, right? Mm. Uh, I'm gonna have you watch Mick Foley Cactus Jack heel turn in ECW. So we're talking August of ninety-five to February of ninety-six. Uh, less the matches, but more so the masterclass and promos, right? Yep. Um, You know, because obviously I could tell you to watch the greatest matches in the world, but if you're just watching the greatest match in the world in a vacuum, um, you know, there's no context. There's no reason why you should care, you know? Um, And I'll give you one more, and I will say um, that it should just be... 1994, summer into fall, Dusty and Dustin Rhodes against uh, Colonel Robert Parker. Uh, There's a lot of goofy characters involved in this, your bunkhouse bucks, your nasty boys, your people like that. And the onus of this program is on Dusty Rhodes cutting promos. And... You know, Dusty was maybe washed by, like, the time 1986-87 rolls around. He's still wrestling in 1991. And by 1994, he even says in his promos, he's a broken-down old man. So people forget that, you know, there was still good stuff happening in 1994 WCW. Everyone thinks once Hogan came in until the NWO, it kind of hit the shits, and it did. Uh, but go back, revisit some of that stuff. That's what I'm assigning to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously I can't compete with Joe with the specificity of like certain eras and I always draw these blanks and I'll just say like, you can pick any era of any Kingston that I've watched and probably many that I haven't and just say, watch this stuff, whether it be the in ring stuff or the promos. Um, you know, I could say the same thing about, uh, Orange Cassidy, but if you want me to get really specific on like a build-up to a match or like a certain run, uh, obviously I'd have to point to, uh, the most recent tag matches that have led to the TBS title opportunity of sky blue.
3: <laughs> so go check that
0: out. Oh boy. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: never change. Adam, never change. <laughs> Thanks other JB. <laughs> All right. Next call.
2: Hello, gentlemen, Kevin here, fresh off of writing a very long homework assignment for you guys. Um, so I've been holding off on this question for a couple of weeks because we've had other things to discuss. So I was watching, um, the Iron Survivor Challenge, which was very interesting. And I think the more and more people that do it, uh, the more it will expand and it will become a very fun match. Uh, it's January, so I like lots of people. I'm rewatching old rumbles. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, double dog collar match from ROH there a couple of weeks ago. And I'm trying to think of like a new gimmick match. And I'm wondering if either of you guys have ever thought of a gimmick match. And don't worry about like if it's actually feasible, if it could actually happen. But just hey, physics and everything out the window, here's the thing I think would be cool. Um, so my suggestion is a two out of three falls dog collar match. Double dog collar match. Now just follow me here. Um, person A is attached to person A from the other team. Person B, person B. After the first falls, A, B, A, B. And then for the third fault, you're attached to your own partner, which allows you to do certain double-team maneuvers with the chain to your opponent. I don't know if it's actually feasible or logical, but it's just an idea I had. So, crazy gimmick idea that you haven't seen before that's been in your head. Um, talk to you guys later. Boy, I can't wait to see what the next homework is. The second says
0: hello.
3: Hello.
0: <laughs> Bye. A lot of kid run ins this week. <laughs> I know, I know. Ah, uh, man, what's
1: with everybody trying to make me think on the spot? Don't they realize I need like a week's preparation for
0: anything that comes out of my mouth? Yeah, try to think and nothing happens. I'm with you. <laughs> um, but they did do a tag team double dog collar match, uh, two out of three falls in ECW, arguably the greatest ECW match of all time, September of 1995. Um,. So, I feel as though, like, every gimmick match has been done, right? mm mm-hmm. um, So, a lot of my ideas are, like, old stuff that they don't do anymore. Like, the closest that they would come is, you know, every year in TNA, they do, the tur- like, the Thanksgiving match, and the loser has to wear the turkey suit. Yeah, yeah. So, there used to be more humiliation gimmicks like that, and, like, they were the dumbest things, like... Loser of the match has to go down main street riding on a donkey or uh, a weasel
1: suit, you know,
0: yeah, weasel suit stuff um, like I'm all for about doing something in the match where it's like something the heel doesn't want to do. Right. And then the heels like, oh, well, if I win, then the baby face is going to have to do the thing that I don't want to do. So that's going to inspire the heel even more. And then what you always do is the heel wins, but then the baby face like turns the tables on the heel and the heel ends up doing the embarrassing thing anyway, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think in this day and age, if you had to do something like that, like that, it would be loser of the match has to do like an embarrassing TikTok.
1: <laughs> Isn't that the, the Catanzaro and Catanzaro's friends gimmick?
0: I think that was, like, six gimmicks ago. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it would have to be something like that that fits into the digital media. Or, like, you have to go and do, like, some sort of, like, YouTube stunt, right?
3: hmm
0: Something like that. Like, again, I'm not up on what the YouTube stunts or the TikTok challenges are. But it would be the loser of the match has to do something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't think of it. He mentioned Kevin mentioned that uh, it could be like anything and to put physics to the side. Do you you used to watch American Gladiators, right? I did in the day. So when I had a fig fed, I copied a lot of the American Gladiators things. And there was like one thing where they had like bungee cords attached to them. And they had to kind of like drop down and get a ball out of like a, a bin. And then jump back up and like, I forget if they had to put it in a basket or something like that. And it just, it was a lot of bouncing from one level to another with a bungee cord. But I did that with my Hasbros. <laughs> and like, I don't know, I think they just jumped down, they fought and they snapped back up. So something like that. And then, I don't know, I'll throw Sky Blue in there and <laughs> it books itself.
0: They actually, uh Global in 91, uh, did a bungee match. Uh, oh, really? They, they certainly did an idea. Yeah.
1: So if it was 91, I probably saw it on there and thought of it, but I don't know.
0: Right. But thanks for the call, Kevin. Next call. Hello, Joe. Hello, Adam. It's Justin Summers. And I see you guys have not voted yet in the wrestling cheers and the year awards. So I would like to know who you guys are voting for in each category. And while we're at it, how about some predictions for 2023? Like, who will win Gauntlet for the Gold 16? Sky Who blue. will win the 2023 Sky Sky. Who blue. will win the 2023 Bill Alfonso Hardcore Tournament? And who will be signed to a contract by the end of 2023? Is that short enough for you? Later.
1: Well, I already named it was Sky Blue for the first two. Right. Uh Bill Alfonso, Hardcore Invitational. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, Dillinger might get it this year. You know what? No, I take it back. Ziggy's getting it. Fuck that. Ziggy's getting it. And who will get signed? Uh, oh, Bishop? I guess Bishop. Bishop's the guy who screams he should be on TV. I mean, when you look at him, he's like, this guy should be on TV. So I'm going to go Bishop.
0: Yeah. So um, Bishop... Should win uh, or should get a contract? Yeah, Wes is going to win Gauntlet for the Gold. Um, let's say Dom wins uh, Jaelit this year.
1: Oh, Dom ain't getting past Sky Blue, but all right, whatever.
0: Okay, and then (laughs) I'll say this: I would have Kaplan win the Bill Alfonso Hardcore title thing again.
1: Have him do it's like his Dynamite Diamond Ring type deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just thought I was going to mix it up, you know, but fair enough, just because like last year it was Dillinger versus Kaplan in the finals, and I was like, oh, let's have Ka- uh, Dillinger win at this time, and I'm like, oh, no, let's mix it up and throw Ziggy, but I I see logic in that, you know, have him continue to come out with the belt.
0: And yeah. looking at the, uh, and you're going to make me vote on the thing here on the show uh, for the wrestling cheers, So I'm saying Calling All Skeletons was the show of the year, I'm um, saying Eddie was the guest of the year. I'm um, saying Nightmare Freddy versus Mantis was the match of the year. And Swamp Man is debut of the year. Um, moment of the year is Brit making the surprise thing um, at that match. And then group and team of the year, huh? Bulking season, Okay. And then JB is wrestler of the year. How about that? And I mean, uh, it, moment of
1: the year. I mean, no disrespect to Brett, but I mean, bulking season winning the tag titles. Because, I mean, I was there. I'm in the picture celebrating. But, anyways.
0: You happy, Justin? We voted. All right. I got bit on the stink sheets vote. I got like some sort of weird like pop up ads on my thing that I had to like run a program to get rid of. <laughs> I'm always leery of voting on shit like that, you know. Yeah. But hey, it's 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 a way to keep people honest. You can only vote once, right? Maybe <laughs> you should do that for your uh, gender neutral monarch. Well, I'm only voting once. Okay, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Next call.
9: Hey guys, it's the wiki. Um, with the news that came out today that Vince McMahon is trying to get himself back in the WWE. Um, and that he is not willing to allow a sale to go through unless he's made part of the board or whatever, whatever, all of these conditions are that he has. Um, I'm curious. I know we all know that Joe has a, a talent for holding grudges. Sure. Uh, see David Carradine Joe one um, and we know that Adam is really good at swearing at grandmothers and babies but I'm curious if either one of you has ever held a grudge to the point where it was detrimental to yourself uh,
1: I'll hang up and listen uh, and I'll talk to you guys later bye I feel like this is all you Joe like you're the you're the grudge holder in charge
0: Um, detrimental to me Um, I would say my grudge against the Young Bucks may have cost me at least one or two friends. Okay. Yeah.
1: Potential bookings, too, you know? Allegedly. Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I just have so many, uh, like, beefs across the board that it's hard to tell which ones are causing me problems. You know? So I just assume that, like, it's all on me. I don't know. Uh... I don't know. I, I, I legitimately don't think I have any long-term grudges. You know, I'm a, I don't let it get to me as much as some people.
0: Yeah, but. like I said, usually I say it all, all the time. You wrong me, I'll somehow get over it. You wrong friends or family, I'll, I'll hold that till the day I die. Or you die.
1: <laughs> yeah. But,
0: all right, cool. Thank you for your call, David. It's pink button time. It's young Ed.
8: Hey, uh Adam, this is just for Adam, this is Ed. I just uh woke up, it was like 10 a.m., been up for a little bit, right? Uh I slept for like 14 hours, none of this is important, I'm just bragging. Uh I think, I think Tay Conti's going to be at Toy Hayao, I think I saw that, but like I said, <gasps> I slept for a long time, and I'm, you know, still tired, so, I'm going to sleep more, but yeah, I think, take this isn't my real call. <laughs> okay bye. I
1: think Jay Conti's going to be there. Goodbye. Okay, I I I I saw the bunny was announced and I know there's some mystery folks yet to be named. Um this could change everything, Joe. This could be my next trip out uh out to Ohio. Um I assume, I mean it certainly won't be the Odeum, but I assume AIW would be running the night before. Uh, I need details on whether or not this is true because uh, if that is the case, uh, yeah, that might be a thing.
0: So talk to me. <laughs> I don't know if it looks like there's um, mystery people announced you know um, just yet, right? Yeah. Uh, I see Ethan Page. I see the bunny, I see Cabana, I see Danhausen, I see Mrs. Danhausen mm. and I see uh Space Monkey.
1: So either one of two things has happened. Either Ed has confused the bunny with Tay Conti, which is entirely possible. Entirely. Or Ed knows something that we don't know, which is also possible. Ed works at Toy Haya. You know, Ed hears things. He's got his finger on the pulse. Uh, So, hmm. Uh, Let me know.
0: Again, more on this story as it develops. And that is February 11th. uh, And that same day, um, AIW is running a show at a bowling alley. Uh, where at? Uh, Youngstown, Ohio. I think that's where toy Ohio is, so. There you go. Perfect.
1: Interesting. All right. All right.
0: Start making your plans now. You got five weeks. <laughs> Next call.
8: Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Um, that new fucking Dynamite set sucks. This shit sucks. Every, everything wrestling on TV fucking sucks all just screens. All of their entrance ways are just fucking screens now, and fucking boring and stupid. I fucking hate it. Ring of Honor, in fact, AW, WWE, all of this shit is just screens. Whatever happened to building the fucking thing, you know what I mean? Like, wherever <laughs> the backlash hooks, that shit rules. For the fucking old Raw that like, it's just fucking screen and these sturdy fucking metal, uh, just metal and screens, and, and, and fucking... Even that shitty Survivor Series was like a hexagon. I don't say build a fucking thing. Jesus fucking Christ, wrestling fucking stupid on TV. This shit sucks. It's all fucking boring. Shit's boring. What a boring fucking set. Good lord. What the, what are they fucking doing? This shit's so fucking stupid. I'm so mad. Why is this? Screams? Why Everything's everything just fucking scream? <laughs> Ugh, it used to be better, you know what I mean? Hey, my,
1: <laughs> I miss the Smackdown Fist. Yeah! I think yeah. that's the best. Uh, you know, I, Thunder had some weird ones where it was like fucking caves and shit, but the Smackdown Fist is legendary.
0: So does Monday Night Raw and Smackdown still do like the big CGI things? I think they still do it for Roman. But like, remember they would do like the weird like, lips and the hair whip for bianca belair and the big time becks for becky lynch and all that stuff i don't do they still do that uh, uh i don't know if they do it as much as they did i know for a fact it
1: still exists because like you said it i i make it a point to watch the roman reign stuff so i
0: see it there you know right right i think ed would hate that if he ever saw that right yeah <laughs> um but i think because a lot of times they'll um, at least AEW, because they filmed Dynamite and Rampage together. Um, In the idea of the uh, SmackDown Fist, they should do like a giant thing of dynamite where like the plunger comes down. And then like, <laughs> that's how the pyro goes off. And then yeah. that's how the show starts, you know?
1: <laughs> that's an idea. Um, yeah. As far as the uh, the change, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm not as fired up as that is. I understand that like TV needs to be shiny. Um mm-hmm. I was glad that they kept the heel and babyface entrances. I wish it was yeah. more I wish it was less of them just walking out from behind a screen and more of there still being a, a visible tunnel though. You know?
0: Yeah. I like the tunnels. I miss the tunnels. But if they didn't hype up the new set and the new entranceway and the new everything, I don't think people would have cared. If they just debuted it, I think people would have been happy with
1: it, you know? Yeah, I think they can can bring back the tunnels but keep all the screens. I think that's my Mm. compromise.
0: There you go. And the big giant dynamite thing that sets (laughs) off the pyro to start the show.
1: Yeah, and keep the Cody elevator in the middle. Yeah. Basically just bring back the old set.
0: Oh, shit. You know what? AEW needs to do a match where winner gets the Cody elevator.
1: Oh, see, I always th- thought that once Cody left, they should have just had the world champ come up that. Mm-hmm. But whatever. All right, maybe Ed's final call won't be as angry and, and curse-filled.
0: Fingers crossed.
8: <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, Ed again. Real quick. Um, Joe, you liked this tweet, so I just need to know because I think uh, – I think we have similar sense of humor. Was our book Dwyer good or should I have gone with the Randy Stare picture? I'm not explaining anything past this, uh you <laughs> know what I mean. And just in case you don't know what I mean, Joe, and you just like that tweet but not you're not aware of of Randy Stare or the joke, uh, I guess I'll I guess I'll ask what everyone's favorite Italian dishes. I like lasagna. Okay, bye. <laughs>
1: I already made my thoughts about that tweet earlier when I said that I'd like to see it happen, but uh, go ahead.
0: Uh, I don't know Randy Stare, but when I searched his name on Google, uh, the first hit that came up was on a site called Internet Villains. So uh, I can only imagine what sort of person he is. I think our Bud Dwyer is timeless, you know, I (laughs) think people see that picture and youngs and olds like myself instantly know who that is. Uh, you put up the picture of Randy, and that could be any sort of, like, wafy, like, weird anime kid, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Plus, Ed earned himself a trip to Taco Bell today, so good for yeah. him. Yeah! Yeah. I, I
0: like have that idea. Three, I, 350 likes, he gets to treat himself to Taco Bell.
1: Yeah. I might do it for, like, 35 likes. Oh, okay. <laughs> something more reasonable for me.
0: Uh, thanks, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Yes. Uh, hey, we're going to run. Oh, so you know what? Real quick. Um, any uh, purgeses this week? Anything to get rid of on weekly purchases?
1: <laughs> nope. Nothing for me.
0: All right. Uh, we're going to go quick. Uh, I, I got rid of a picture of Gary Delabate, a.k.a. Baba Bui, from the uh, I miss you, I miss you phone call that I tweeted at Ian Riccobani. Uh The picture of Paul Heyman sitting by himself at a pizza parlor. Apparently wearing a snuggie and eating an entire pizza by himself. <laughs> uh, the picture of Uncle Howdy mask all like somebody like snapped a, like a flash photography thing of it, so you got to see what it really looked like. Because they did a real good job on TV of trying to hide what it actually looked like, and it really looks like shit. Um, two tweets that I sent to Dane Cook to see if uh, we could find where a sitcom that he did in the mid two thousands about him being a shock jock. Uh, that never made air if it exists out there anywhere, and he actually replied to me. Um, Uh And, uh, you know, Twitter spaces? Yeah. Uh, There was one that was going on last night after Dynamite, and I had to take a picture of it to show uh, someone all the losers that were in the Twitter space. (laughs) So those are my weekly purchases. I took those pictures. Now I can delete them all off my phone since I talked about it on the show.
1: (laughs) Uh, You live an exhausting life, sir.
0: Um, I got to do something. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, hey, Internet Wrestling, uh Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, aka IWTV. Um, they're not I'm not the only one having internet issues. Apparently, they were having issues getting uh wrestle open out, uh adding a lot more stuff to the back catalog. Um, you know, type in the name of your favorite independent wrestler and watch some old stuff for them. Use the promo code at Odds new subscribers. Let Jerry know that you came to him from us. And we get a little bit of a kickback for that. Um, T Public sales pick up next week. So if you're going to buy something, wait until then. Uh, but a place that's always open that you could buy something from that we get a little bit of a kickback from is Amazon. Make any and all of your Amazon purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. It does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, Notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, Wise Life 2-Pack Laundry Hamper. Oh. (laughs) uh, Speedy Pro's Beanie for Men. Uh, embroidered with the slogan "Aliens Stay Weird" on them. All right. Okay. Uh, Moshi Digits Winter Touch Screen Gloves.
1: Now you need you need gloves to touch the screen.
0: That's right. Uh, Dragon Shield Matt Mini Japanese Black 60 Count Card Sleeves. I guarantee that's for someone's either Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Ohs.
1: Sounds right. Yeah. Uh,
0: somebody purchased uh, Lebowski cosplay costume, the dude sweater pajama pants for men, fancy Halloween pajamas.
1: Getting a jump on it nine months early. Like That's it. right.
0: That's where you get all the sales. And uh, somebody also purchased Dress Tech breast form adhesive, long lasting medical grade. It's a spray that you put on your boobs so your clothes stick to you
1: uh all right
0: uh, cool
1: <laughs> i thought they just used tape you know i didn't know there was a spray
0: <laughs> well that's the thing there used to be a double-sided adhesive tape that you would use but now there's a spray that's fantastic i mean thank god for science i'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> well thank you everyone who made purchases this week this month this year this whenever every little bit helps
1: yeah uh, and I guess I'll talk about the fact that there's some podcasts you should listen to. And those podcasts are, as I scroll down, Long Box Heroes, Long Box Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, Indie Wrestling Guide, Pod Van Dam, I'm keeping it in there for now, Wings on Wings, Between the Sheets, which you are going to be a guest on very shortly. Hit my music, and if you catch my grift.
0: I, I already, my my episode was recorded. Um, I feel bad because Chris and David had been on a two-week streak of shows that were under four hours. And just my part is close to five. <laughs> um God. <laughs> I will say secretly just the way that the we like they they ended up doing like a weird week. It was eight days or whatever it was. So like included like one more episode of ECW TV because they went by the Sports Channel Philadelphia airing, whatever. Um, so I get to talk about Mr. Hitman. I get to say bad things about Shawn Michaels. I get yeah. to talk about Double J. I oh. get to say bad things about Triple H. I get to say bad things about Jim Cornette and I get to talk about the ECW debut of Raven.
1: I'm not going to lie. You you lost me at the beginning, but you you got me back towards the end there
0: for sure. So the episode drops Monday. Uh, I'll be sure to boost it, send it out social media, the whole thing. I had a good time. I hope Chris and David had a good time and I hope I come back uh, sooner than a year and a half this time. Yeah. And next up, I'm sure Ed is due for a return. Ed is due for a return. I, you know what? I'm going to say it on here just as a reminder for myself. This is kind of my way of asking him and doing so publicly. Um, so recently, um, the great Joe Gagné five-star match game did his like year-end recap show, right? Uh-huh. And there's no way I would have known any of this stuff because they do a lot of Japanese stuff, right? Ah, oh, I
1: should have done phone a friend. I would have helped you out.
0: Right. So, <laughs> um... He put out, here's what the schedule is so far for 2023, okay? Mm. Nitro, Super Brawl, Ruthless Aggression Era, 2000s Japan, (laughs) and Mr. Hitman. Oh. Now, I know someone who loves Mr. Hitman more than anyone.
1: I I also know that person.
0: So when they listen to the show, this is them... That, to tell me if they want me to reach out to Joe Gagney to put in the word to get them on the five-star match game episode about Mr. Hitman.
1: I like the way you're thinking there. Uh, once again, you're machinating behind the scenes. You're like the invisible hand of podcasting.
0: I try, I try. But
1: alright, cool.
0: We only got one more thing to talk about.
1: Oh, hell yeah. I think Some might cost a little, some might cost a lot, but I'm the $100 Vansky, and your figures will be bought. ha 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 ha!
0: I popped again on that jingle. I like it. <laughs> so listen, I know you had a big week. You had adventures. You went out. You were traveling. You left the state. Let me get my shit out of the way real quick. All right. All right. So Monday, I was off super secret science work. So I used that time to finish or at least attempt to finish hanging all of the figures on the wall in my room, in my office. Right. Okay. Um, I got the uh, Playmates Dick Tracy figure from Todd for Christmas. And earlier this year, or at the end of 2022, I got the uh, Bagman Spider-Man Marvel Legends figure, right? Yeah. I did not have Fig Defenders that fit those, so I had to get Fig Defenders that fit those. And the command hooks that I use, I I try to use the heavy-duty ones. They're sold in packs of 14 hooks with 30, like, adhesible sticker things. And I ran out, so I had to go get more to hang up the rest of my figures.
1: So where are the photos of this beautiful display?
0: It's not done yet. I ju- the the new fig defenders just came in today. Okay, and I was super busy, and I've been dealing with all the shit that's going to be going on with my internet. I didn't have time to finish.
1: I got you. Well, you know what? That'll have to be something that when we release it on the uh, add Odds YouTube, we'll do toys or tours of our toy rooms.
0: Here, I'll I'll take a picture of how it looks right now.
1: <laughs> all right, I'll get that shortly. But
0: uh, um, is
1: that it? That's it. Okay, uh, so I'll just say, despite the fact that some people allege that I am out of the Major Bendy's game, um, again, I never said that screenshots can be manipulated. Uh, so I did pre-order the New Year's Evil Danhausen, which is just basically the Danhausen with like the bloody face. And I'm looking at your picture right now. Uh, let me just say here, we got Eddie Kingston... Chainsaw Charlie, Mick, some Brodie's. I actually need that Brody. Uh, Orange Cassidy. Uh, a lot of Sasha Banks figures. What? Uh, <laughs> no, that's uh, all right. Pretty cool. To uh, I, I expect that wall to be completely filled by the end of the year, sir. But uh, anyway, so I pre-ordered the Evil New Year's Evil Danhausen. And I realized that I was losing track of what major bendies I had. So I took like a picture of, like, I laid them all out on the floor and I took a picture. And I was like, you know what, I kind of need, because it fits my rules, is I need the cosmic Danhausen that they put up for like a two week pre order earlier in the year. So I just found a deal on one in the group. So uh, I don't have every Danhausen, but I have all the exclusives or the shop, like the limited ones or shop exclusives. And I'm happy there. You know, makes sense.
0: I know you're not a signed one, a signed guy, but of course Dan House is going to be at Toy Hio this year. I'm sure he's going to have some sort of exclusive swag. Uh, I'm sure they're going to have something. You know? Yeah. Well, I actually one of the bendies I have. The
1: only way to get it was to get it signed. Um, so I have a bendy signed by him, and I already have a, a micro brawler that I got. I, I mentioned months ago that it was like. It was signed and I got it for less than it went for unsigned, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. So no need for any more uh, Mr. Daniel Hausen uh, autographs, but I do a mark pick. Um, So anyways, on to like the actual story. Um, Every year, my mom takes a cruise. Uh, She loves going on cruises. I see no benefit in them, but uh, I mean, it's just not for me. Um, So this time she was leaving from a port in New Jersey. Uh, so I had the unfortunate task of having to drive to New Jersey. Uh, so the only good thing about New Jersey is, number one, you're allowed to leave. Uh, but number two, you are within relatively close proximity to friend of the show, Jay Gold. So I hit him up a few days beforehand, said, hey, I'm going to be about an hour from you. Um you know, what are you doing? And he was available. So I hit up Jay gold and we went to time warp toys, which is actually a place that we didn't go during my last visit, but it's a place that is like showcased in a lot of Ethan page toy blogs.
0: I know. know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. Yes. Yeah. So I'd never been there,
1: but I basically said to myself, um, I'm going to go, but I'm not making any impulse purchases. I am only going to buy something if it's something that I was already looking for, you know, something that's already on my eBay save searches or that I wanted or whatever. Uh, follow me so far, right? Yes. All right. So uh, beforehand, I just want to say I went to uh, Jay Gold's house and he, he likes to, you know, show off the the toy room and he, it's twice as big as it was last time I was there. So he's uh, he's uh, expanding his toys. I like to see that um and i will say that when i was looking through his toy room he had this one john constantine dc direct figure based on the matt ryan constantine you know from legends and arrow and all that stuff uh and i i said to him i was like oh man i've been looking for that that's actually a really cool figure and i was like let me know if you see that at time warp you know because it's a big store and we're going to kind of split up and whatever so Get to time warp to- time warp toys. Looking around, I actually find the DC section, and there's a lot of figures from that line. And uh, the Constantine wasn't there, so Jay Gold was just basically, like, you know what, the Constantina that's at my house is yours.
0: Oh. So- what what a mensch.
1: I know. Good guy right there. Uh, so he gave me a figure. I, I tried to buy it off of him. He wouldn't take a dollar from it. So it's actually something I've been looking for for a long time. It's actually something that I got on eBay about a year ago, but the seller sent it to me in a, a, a bubble envelope. I remember
0: <laughs> uh, that story. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I ended up getting my money back and selling the selling it Lucy. So it all worked out there. But at Time Warp Toys, uh, nice store. Um. I'd say probably three or four times bigger than our toy store up here in Dixon city. Um, not a ton of stuff that I love. The wrestling section wasn't that big. It actually had a lot of aisles dedicated to Funko pops, but a lot of the aisles were only like a quarter filled. So they need to kind of rearrange what they're doing with their space. Um, but I did discover in the glass case, a figure I was looking for, for a little while now. And it's a figure that doesn't often pop up on eBay, and when it does, it's either loose or it's in an open box or whatever. So I've never had an opportunity to buy one sealed. Uh, I looked at the price. The price was good, but you know the Vansky way. You have to ask for a lower price. Uh, you and haggle. I, you got to haggle, and I got the lower price, and I'm just loading it up on my phone here to send it to you. But I got the 2003 Jack's main event rookie figure of a Miss Stacey Keebler. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's something that I just started looking. You know what it was when the Miss Hancock uh, Mattel figure came out months ago? That kind of led me down the, the the path to be like, oh, I wonder how many figures she has. And she only has three. She has three Jack's figures. Uh, I'm sorry, four Jax figures, this one, a box set with Trish and Lita and a box set with her and test. So this is, uh, from 2003, the only solo release of hers. And then the next year there was another solo release. So there's not a ton. So I got it. I'm happy. I got it for a lot less than the last completed sale on eBay. And it was something that I walked in looking for. So I was happy with that.
0: That's always a good feeling. You okay with that upper corner? It's as good as I'm going
1: to get, man. You know, again, for the price and for the fact that I've never had an opportunity to buy a sealed one, I'll take it. And I just sent you a picture of the Constantine figure as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw that popping up there. A lot of hands. Comes in a lot of hands. He's doing a lot (laughs) of magic.
1: Yeah, like two of them have flames on them, so that's a cool thing. And I think one of them actually has like a Zippo in his hand, so it's a sweet figure. Um. So, walked around Time Warp, there's a couple other things that I was like, oh, I wouldn't mind this. Uh, But again, I went in with the rule, if I didn't previously want it, I wasn't going to buy it. Uh, Unfortunately, right next door to Time Warp is another huge Vintage toy store, but they are closed on
0: Mondays. Oh, that stinks.
1: Yeah. Um, So... I had decided I was going to make a trip to Wrestling Universe. Uh, Jay Gold, uh, I don't know why, he he like works and has a family and commitments, so he had to go and take care of that stuff. So he couldn't dedicate the whole day to uh, to showing figs for me, or going to fig shopping with me. Um, but when I went back to his house to drop him off, I actually got some more care package uh, items from him. He actually gave me, and I'm going to send you this. It is, I guess, uh, a company called Rubber City Toys. It's a guy who was in the Cleveland area who made the little merch table figures of Derek Dillinger and Danhausen. Oh yeah, okay, I've seen that Derek figure uh, quite a bit. Yeah, 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 it's a little 3D printed kind or 3D printed like uh, Gold told me it's like a, they're casted, um, but they're like really early gimmick table items for Danhausen and for Derek. And Jay Gold's like, here you go. I got a couple of them. Help yourself. And uh, he completely didn't need to do it. But uh, his hospitality and generosity knows no limits. So it was a good dude. And because of that, I have signed him on as the official sponsor for the second year in a row of the gender neutral monarch. So once again, the Mysterious Benefactors, their logo will be emblazed across all of the gender neutral monarch tournaments. But uh, so I got those two from him. It was awesome. I got the Constantine. Uh, we parted ways. I decided to hit the wrestling universe. Um, there are three locations. One of them is in like New York City, and I didn't want to hit that one. Uh, one of them, the one that I actually had the most success at and that I liked the most on Long Island, is actually no longer there. They closed it. So all they they have left on Long Island is their original store, which is like the real small one. Uh, I think it's in Comac. Um, So I went in there. I looked around. At this point, I was kind of getting tired. I was like, all right, if I hit the road now, I'm going to get home at like seven, eight o'clock at night. Um, I did ask him if he had uh, a certain figure that I was looking for. He did not and I asked him what did you have on it the last time you had one and he told me a ridiculously high price and I kind of chuckled and I left. So uh, I did not buy anything from the wrestling universe. But that figure in our doll group, the soon to be named network doll dork group, uh, DJ pointed out that somebody was selling an Elite 41 ECW Terry Funk on eBay. And Fun fact, it was not listed as an Elite 41. It was just listed as like Terry Funk figure. And because DJ casts a wide net on eBay and I didn't, I just had a save search for Elite 41. It came up in his searches. Uh, so he pointed it out to me it was in, in pretty nice condition. It met my box rules. I sent an offer. It was countered. We met in the middle. And I am now the proud owner of Elite 41 Terry Funk.
0: Nice.
1: So obviously that's another one that I've been looking for for a while. So again, the, with 2023 being the year of financial responsibility, <laughs> uh, if I was looking for something in 2022, uh, then that's more than okay,
0: you know. And and yours isn't uh, much. Are you, are you opening yours or what are you doing with yours? Opening? Who are you talking to? Okay. No, of course not. Well, if if and when you find a fig defender for that, you know, because um, that's. No-
1: they have those on ringside, because I bought Fig Defenders for that size figure before.
0: I bought I bought what they claim fits those ones, and I got a box with three of them in there, because it said it fits them all, and they
1: don't. See, uh, maybe you picked the wrong one, because uh, the uh, Alexa Bliss's rookie figure is that size, uh-huh. and there is at least two other figures that... Like, I know there's a Finn Balor ringside exclusive that's that size, and I bought Defenders and they fit fine. So maybe they just sent you the wrong ones.
0: Maybe they sent me the wrong ones.
1: But that doesn't sound like ringside. Um, All right, so that is it for figures. But I do have one other weekly purchase.
0: Okay. Joe, I
1: mentioned before that we might have to talk a little bit about sports. Because... The Steelers are one game away from having a winning season. They're currently 8-8, eight and eight, and I left them for dead at the beginning of the season. They started the season 2-6, and six, and since then have gone on a 6-2 and two run. They have not given up more than 17 points in over their last six games. If the Jets and the Bills win... This weekend, and obviously the Steels take care of the dirty, stinking Cleveland Browns, the Steelers are in the playoffs. We have a healthy T.J. Watt. Minka Fitzpatrick is leading the league in interceptions. And Joe, we have Kenny, by God, Pickett as our quarterback. A franchise quarterback is born. After 18 years of stability with a Hall of Fame quarterback, I had to suffer through nearly eight weeks of not knowing who our future quarterback is going to be. But, Joe, Steelers have gotten it figured out. Kenny Pickett, a football god, is ready for a new decade of dominance, maybe two decades. I don't know. He's young. And I needed to pull the trigger on a Kenny Pickett rookie card, and I did it. I... Hold a couple different people. I talked to Derek, friend of the show, designer of our brackets. I asked for his opinion. I talked to Ronald Legs, got some of his insights on what I should buy. And when it all came down to it, I purchased a 2022 contender's rookie ticket, autographed and limited to 20 I'm sorry, 20 in existence. I have a Kenny Pickett rookie card. It might just be the first of a couple. It's still early. We'll see. But I had to lock it in. I had to get in the ground floor before he's, you know, making Mahomes look like his bitch and just completely breaking every record in all of football. He might never lose another game. I think that could be a possibility. Has, has somebody ever gone on like a multiple season undefeated streak? If anybody could, it might be Kenny Pickett. He's that good. So I'm happy that I finally grabbed that. Uh, I'm just kidding about him going undefeated. Please, football gods, don't jinx me. Uh, but... <laughs> I'm excited. He's been playing really well. Um, I see something in the kid. I think with a good offensive coordinator, uh, which the Steelers don't currently have, I think that he's, you know, he might be a good quarterback in the future. So I picked it up. I, I spent a couple bucks, not nearly as much money as I thought I was going to. I actually got a really good deal.
0: Well, listen, um, who were the Steelers playing this weekend? Cleveland Browns. I've heard of that team. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Probably on the like the paper that you stick under your bird cage, you know. Are
0: Are you and all of our AIW friends going to be super annoying about this on social media this weekend? Um, most likely, yes. Um, if cool. I can preview it,
1: um, I will be very pessimistic, and I will probably call the game as a loss if the Steelers are down three nothing in the first quarter. Um, if I also had to predict, I am sure Jayhawk will complain about every single referee call throughout the game. Um, and I'm sure many people will blame Arthur MacArthur if the if the Browns lose.
0: That, that <laughs> sounds about right. That sounds usually the way that it goes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but, uh, yeah, so that that game, honestly, if I had my druthers, if I had my choice, I would like the Steelers to beat the Browns finish with a nine and eight record, but also missed the playoffs because honestly, if they got into the playoffs, they would get annihilated by like a good team. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I think I can hang my hat. I said this on Sports Talk with uh, Marcus, like at the beginning of the season. Uh, a nine and eight non losing season is a victory for me
0: it's good it's good to have that sort of low barometer as a fan, you know. Got to have baby steps. I'm not like a Cowboys fan where I'm like,
1: "Oh, this is the year. We them boys, we're winning it all." No, I I set expectations that are reasonable. Like not having a losing season, being being better than the Browns. All things that are very easy to do.
0: <laughs> I know uh, you know, Todd every year as part of his bit says that the Raiders are going to go undefeated this season. And I think the Raiders were mathematically eliminated from the from the Super Bowl by like week three.
1: <laughs> no, they actually uh about
0: th- two weeks ago they they were technically eliminated. And then I know every year as the season begins, Sidney Bacabella puts out a tweet that the Bears are going undefeated and winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah it's respectable
1: i like some people have confidence that eh, maybe they shouldn't have
0: right and that hasn't happened in 36 years that the bears had a winning season so 37 years my apologies
1: won a super bowl they had they've had winning seasons since and they were in a super bowl not too long i mean not too long ago but like 12 years ago Mm. but what have you done for me lately exactly but that's it for me, Joe. Just a small week in weekly purchases.
0: Well, listen, I hope all these purchases happen before um, uh, Saturday or whatever, so that it counts for 2022. Because I know 2023 is the year of financial responsibility. So,
1: Well, again, if I wanted it before the calendar
0: flipped over, it's okay. That's Todd logic. <laughs> <laughs> I contacted an artist seven months ago. <laughs> And they just got back in touch with me today, so that counts as a 2022 purchase, even though no, fu- no funds have transacted or no decisions have been made either way.
1: Yeah, I added these things to my eBay watch list in 2022 or earlier, and Kenny Pickett was drafted in 2022,
0: so that counts. I, it's, it's hard to argue with that specious logic.
1: <laughs>
0: I accept your apology. All right. So, Adam. Yeah. I think we did a show today.
1: We did a, uh, you know what, you take out all the edits, and uh, this is actually a relatively short show.
0: Listen, I have to acknowledge the edits because they really fucking pissed me off today. (laughs) You don't know how pissed off I've been for like the last three days. Like, I would play all heat, no heaters, but I'm afraid that I'm going to lose connection with you. (laughs) So let's call it a win. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling.